This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Weaver. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And what feels like, as always, as well, Jake, our patron for now the 11th straight month for, uh, no, no, sorry, oh, 13. 13. I don't know we're how many months. the other half of a year. I don't know how many months are <laughs> in a year. That's my fault. Um, but for the 13th straight month, we also have Jake Neverman joining us on somewhat of an emergency podcast, but also a scheduled one because we're talking about Jimmy Butler going to the Philadelphia 76ers. Jake, how you feeling about the move? Well, I'm a bag of mixed emotions today. <laughs> we'll get into those mixed emotions. But before we jump into the whole trade, before we jump into how it fits for the 76ers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then also we'll be jumping into Zion stuff without Jake a little bit later, uh, we do want to tell you to check out patreon.com slash podcast. If you do want to be a patron, be on this podcast or the Onside Kick, the Rick and Johnny, the Primetime Podcast, all of our podcasts on here. If you want to be on one of them, pick the topic and talk to us for 30 minutes about it. Go to patreon.com and check out patreon.com slash most valuable podcast. But this week we're talking Jimmy Butler to the 76ers, how it affects the 76ers with Jake, then with ourselves uh, and how it affects Minnesota. And then we'll be jumping over to how Zion fits into the NBA. And we're also going to throw in wet boys in there as well. But if you haven't heard, it happened today around 11 a.m. Jimmy Butler is now a Philadelphia 76ers. Minnesota has traded Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton to Philadelphia for Robert Covington, Dario Saric, and a 2022 second-round pick. Uh, that's according to John Krasinski, Krasinski uh, of The Athletic, Minnesota. Uh, and Jake, you talked about being a bag of mixed emotions. What is the most prevalent emotion uh, that you're feeling so far? I'm excited for the future. I'm excited. This was the move that the Sixers had to make. I mean, they were kind of stagnant in the way they were because obviously Fultz hasn't developed this year into the player. We wanted to be in the big thing that the Sixers were missing was a shot creator who could consistently take the ball on his own whenever Ben couldn't be able, you know, he can't shoot, so he has to get to the basket. When he can't do that, somebody else had to be able to take the ball. And, um, I mean, for what we gave up, I don't think it was a lot. But, I mean, I'm still obviously sad to see some of the players go. Uh, but it was definitely a necessary step to be able to contend in the future and now. And before we get into the whole, you know, what Jake said, I do want to go to you guys and get your reactions as well. Um, Dave, kind of what Jake was saying, that it was a, necess- uh, a necessary move for the Philadelphia 76ers to go out and get Jimmy Butler, a shot creator. Is it a panic move by the Philadelphia 76ers? No, I think it's actually the appropriate time to kind of pull the trigger on something like that. You're watching, you want to see what the waters were. Are, are, are we doing good as a team and right now you got a couple guys who are off to a slow start. Um, you weren't getting consistency. You look across at the Eastern Conference and you're going, okay, who, who else is doing good right now? Well, Kawhi is here and he's ready to play. And that Raptors team looks legitimate. Oh, Giannis, uh, he, he, he's scary good, even better than before somehow. Thankfully, Boston Celtics can't shoot the ball into the basket, but they play incredible defense. So, like, they were the nemesis at the end of last year. So I think the Sixers kind of realize, like, all right, what we have today will not be able to get us past all three of those th- three all three of those teams that we could run up against in the playoffs so we got to make a change I'm glad they pulled it now because it was like equal levels of frustration on the Timberwolves behalf but also I think as a, a lot of the community around the Sixers I've been keeping a close eye ear to it because it's like a second city at this point thanks Jake um 
And it just seems like you know there's there's just been a lot of frustration over the struggles early this season. And Ricky, obviously looking at the record now, they're eight and mm-hmm. five um, on the season. You look at their schedule; it was a loss, two wins, two losses, and then two wins, lost, two wins, lost. Now two win uh, on a two game win streak, and they got Memphis uh, tonight um, at seven p.m. Looking at what Jake and Davis said, do you think it's a panic move? And are you shocked by this move? Because we were talking about Houston, Miami, mm-hmm. the Clippers, and Philadelphia was in there because they had the youth assets, but we really weren't thinking of them as a number one contender for Jimmy Butler. I'm shocked, but I'm going to save that answer for the second segment because I'm not shocked on the side of the 76ers. I'm shocked on the side of the Timberwolves. But for me, I'm looking at this. This is a total panic move. And the reason why I say that is beginning of the year, everyone's like, oh, we're going to have Boston. Most people and us all had Boston as the one to win the East. Then next up, most people, oh, I know that Toronto has Kawhi, but the 76ers are going to be there to compete. Then they start off their two and three. Their first few games. I see Jake and his Twitter messages to you, Sean, at the Most Valuable Podcast Twitter account. Please don't read them. And it's like (laughs) I can smell the, the just panic. In Jake's text sometimes. why? And I know watching games when you're losing, you're going to do that. I used to do that as a Bulls fan before I embraced the full-on tank. But, I mean, for me, this is a full panic move. We, If you're the 76ers, you're thinking, we need to beat the Raptors. We need to beat the Bucks, And this is how you do it. You get a guy like Jimmy Butler because Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, the team you have right now, cannot do that. You lose to Boston game one. You lose to Milwaukee, you lose to Toronto already in this season, you need a veteran like Jimmy Butler. That's why it's a panic move to win now. Well, and I'm glad that Jake's on this podcast because typically when we bring him up, he's not here to defend Mm -hmm. himself. So, Jake, (laughs) do you think it's a panic move? Because Ricky is reading our messages. Ricky's, you know, thinking, (laughs) seeing seeing everything you're saying. Uh, I know yesterday you were talking about uh, Brett Brown is screwing up last night. Do you think it's a panic move by Elton Brand in this, uh, this front office for the 76ers? I think it's the farthest thing from a panic move. I think what they're doing is that when we went into last summer, we were star hunting. We wanted, you know, LeBron, and obviously that one didn't work out. We thought we needed that guy. We needed to complete our big three. And, again, we didn't get that last summer. So this is a way, which not even giving up Fultz. We got to keep Fultz in this trade, which is a bigger issue than I think, a bigger thing than people are making it. And I think getting the star now solidifies that we don't have to panic this summer. And we still have – I think it was twenty-one and a half million in cap room. So if you free up a little bit of cap room, you could get another max contract on the team. Which means if we do get another star, then we're good. But even if we don't this summer, which happened like last summer, we're still good because we have Jimmy Butler and we don't have to panic going into the season. But is Jimmy gonna? And I'm gonna jump in because Jimmy's got a player option. I look at player options and go, oh, he's not going to accept that. He's going to try to deny that to get more yeah. money. Well, here's the thing is yeah. that it, was coming out after the, the trade was made was that including the $30.7 million uh, total uh, Jimmy Butler free agent hold, Philadelphia, oh, no, no it's uh, Sixers and uh, pretty much the, the deal was uh, Woj said Jimmy Butler and the Sixers are fully expected to reach a deal on a long-term contract this summer, league sources tell ESPN, Sixers made the deal with plans to add Butler to a big three with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. But the thing is, uh, is they're not allowed to enter into negotiation or agree on an extension mm-hmm. yet, uh, barring physical issues or 
Butler failing to fit into the Embiid uh, Simmons dynamic. Both sides are optimistic on long term. So they do want to agree to that real. And Butler does want to be in Philadelphia. But it's let's just, see what happens this season, basically. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it is very likely, I will, mm-hmm. I'll say, that it is, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler will be a sixer for at least, you know, five years um, once his contract is up. So he will probably decline that player option, but that is so he can make mm-hmm. a, a long term deal. So I think the future will, at least the big three, will be Joe will be Ben Simmons and will be Jimmy Butler. So I don't think we really have to worry too much about Jimmy Butler possibly leaving, and I think that's why the Sixers made this deal. But that's a, that's a great point to bring up, the fact that Jimmy was possibly able to be leaving. Uh, but Dave, one thing that Jake did say was they had to make this move. So it wasn't a panic move, but they had to make this move, star hunting, and they do get that shot creator. One thing I'm wondering about this, though, is because Ben Simmons is so good at distributing the ball. He is so good at running this offense. Yeah. Markel Fultz, although he doesn't, hasn't shown his you know, ability to you know, be a great shooter and be a dynamic scorer, he has shown his ability to drive and kick out and, and be a guy who can at least run the offense, um, you know, not full-time, but in a very part-time role. Yeah. With Jimmy Butler, though, when he needs to take over games like he has before, he needs to score for the Philadelphia 76ers. What is this offense going to look like? Because Ben really can't be out there on the floor because when he's playing off ball, he's really only good for a big body because he's not going to be able to spot up and shoot. Same with Markell, and you do have J.J. Redick, but you got rid of one of your best spot-up shooters in Rocco in the deal. What is this offense going to look like when Jimmy Butler is running the running the, 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 the offense and he is taking over this game? Because at some point, that's going to need to happen for the Philadelphia 76ers. That's why you made this move. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of high-low play with Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid. Uh, those two guys can go ISO anytime you need them to, which I think is something that... Look, I know everything in today's NBA has shifted from... Like, the early 2000s was definitely... Late 90s was ISO king. Like, that's, that's what it was. It was inefficient, but it's what got the job done. And now it's all pass-heavy, and the Sixers last year led the league in, like, passes per possession. Fantastic job. But what he gives them is, if we need to score, we can do this. Like, you've seen the last couple games have been Joel Embiid has to carry this team in scoring because you're not going to get contributions from everybody else. So having someone like Jimmy Butler who can run off him and run and work with Joel Embiid, I think that's a solid lock. You have two guys who are excellent, excellent scorers. And someone like Jimmy Butler being a two-way player opens up that team. I know what you're saying about Ben being off-ball semi-useless on this team. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is the amount of guys who can drive and dish, drive and dish, and the more of those you do, the more opportunities you create around you. Like, defense is shifting and having a switch on these guys. It's just going to make better opportunities. So I think that you're still going to see a heavy uh, movement offense on this team, but when they need to in crunch time, where, no offense, Jake, the 76ers have shit the bed many times this early season, and it's just been like, all right, you guys need to settle down. I get it. You're still a young team, and as much as I want you to be there, you're not there yet. Having a presence like Jimmy Butler out there to close games, and that's what he did for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Remember, before he was on that Timberwolves team, they were a great scoring team, kept up with anybody in the world, but you hit the last five minutes of that fourth quarter, and they got blown out time after time after time because they didn't have someone who could be a closer. They didn't have that calming veteran presence who could take the ball off the court, make sure they used the clock right, make sure that you got the right guys involved, and that's what Jimmy Butler is. That's why they got to the playoffs last year in Minnesota, and that's exactly what he will bring to the Sixers team this year. And Ricky, before we go back to Jake, because I kind of want to bring him in on the offense talk as well, um, just looking at you know all the talent that is being thrown around here, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, obviously wondering how those three are going to work in offensive situations. Defensively, this team's going to be phenomenal because yeah. Markel Fultz can defend. Ben Simmons, I picked him as my defensive player of the year. Joel Embiid was a contender for defensive player of the year mm-hmm. last year. Jimmy Butler's been one of the best wing defenders in the league, right behind Kawhi and you know KD at points. And Paul George, yeah. Um, and Paul George as well, thank you. Yep. Um, 
does this make them the most talented team in the East? Not the best team, because that's obviously different. Because obviously team, you know, talent really doesn't always equate to a best team. But are they the most talented team in the East now acquiring Jimmy Butler? Maybe. And the reason why I say maybe is the way I would the way I would phrase it is not most talented, but these can go hand in hand. They've got the most big names in the East right now. Where the Celtics, yeah, you know, Tatum and Brown, they're beginning to come names, but well, Kyrie they're not, and Gordon yeah, Hayward. They're the big, and those Hill are the big Hurford. names, but yeah, like yeah. Brown and Tatum aren't as big names as like Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. You have the Raptors, like you look at their roster, it's real like Kawhi I look at it, it's Kawhi and Du Bois basically out there. Let's, and then it's like let's give Kyle Lowry a little more credit. Than I say Kyle Lowry's playing like a Steve Nash esque <laughs> season right yeah. now. It's sort of disgusting and But I'm talking more of like the Sorchabaka, the Danny Green along with them in yeah. the starting lineup. <laughs> and then you got the Bucks where it's basically you look at Giannis and what he's able to do with that team. And I know that they have, they would probably be a little bit more names than Toronto. But like, this is, I look at this 76er team and I go, all right, if you don't make it to the finals this year, fire Brett Brown. And that is what, uh, this is, this is putting, no, no, no. But now that like before, and even Dave off podcast has said Brett Brown has infuriated him this year. I have been on the train of Brett Brown is not the guy to win the championship with the Philadelphia 76ers, this is a type of move that accelerates. It's like, all right, if you can't get to the NBA Finals now in a LeBron-less East with this team, we need to look somewhere else. And if they don't get to the Finals, I think Brett Brown is gone. Before I push you more on that, I want to go to Jake mm-hmm. because I want to get somebody else uh, pro- yeah, who I think is on the other side, unless yeah. you know Jake has changed his mind. Um, Jake, I know you've been a defender of Brett Brown. Is Ricky overreacting yeah. in your mind to this? If the 76ers do not make the Eastern Conference Finals this year, then Brett Brown should be fired. No, I wouldn't. I would say he's overreacting. Sure. I mean, I Brett Brown has infuriated me certain points this year. It's just frustrating. He's still making some of the same mistakes he made last year. But, I mean, they just gave him a three-year extension. I don't think they're going to fire him one year into it. And I don't think if they take – if they get – Say someone happens to get the four seed and they face the Raptors in the second round, they take them to six or seven games. Are you really going to fire a guy after he loses at the one seed? Depends on how he loses. Exactly. And yeah, like you, you've even said that's, it right now, Jake, he's still making the same mistakes he were last year. Was. That to me, yeah, but he's also been improving. This to me is all right, you're not learning from last year. And now that you're adding a guy like Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler expects one thing. We heard it in. Post game interview, like Sean before the podcast, reading off what Jimmy Butler was saying before or after Friday's game, and Jimmy wants to win. Jimmy don't like losing. Jimmy likes winning. And guys, there's a Seinfeld reference out there. But every time Brett Brown to me, it's like, all right, we're adding a veteran like Jimmy Butler. It's put up or shut up time. Maybe it might not be okay. Maybe this year might be overreacting, but definitely next year when you get a Zaire Smith added on to this as a young player, Brett Brown is not going to last long if this team is not in the NBA Finals either this year or next year. Let me go back to Jake. Now, Jake, you said that he's made improvements this year. What improvements have you seen in Brett Brown's coaching, and do you believe that he will be able to manage Jimmy Butler, who has, in essence, killed three locker rooms? The D-Rose-led locker room in Chicago, (laughs) then the uh, Jimmy Butler-led locker room where him him and D-Wade were separated from everybody else, and clearly he killed this Minnesota one. If You you might not say he killed that D-Rose one. You might not say he killed that that Dwayne Wade one. He definitely killed the locker room here in Minnesota, nobody can, you know, I give it to argue three, that Sean, easily. Um, but would you say that, you know, more of Brett Brown's, you know, coaching, uh, you know, 
job and, and, and uh, responsibilities this yeah. year are to manage this locker room and make sure that a divide doesn't happen. And so two questions. What are the improvements you've seen? And then also, do you think more of his responsibility this year is to at least manage the locker room and make sure Jimmy Butler doesn't tear it apart? All right, yeah. I mean, I think I've seen his late game management get a lot better this year. I mean, it's still shaky at times, but I think also I and Jimmy Butler will help with that. Cause a lot of times late in the game, they basically just have to toss it down to Joel Embiid because they have nobody else that can basically get their own shot. I mean, he's been getting something that didn't happen last year. It's happening this year is every time they come down the court with J.J. Redick, he's getting almost an open shot almost every single time. And I don't know if that's because the defense is lacking or if they're letting Like, I don't know what it is, but literally, by, probably about if you watch the Sixers when J.J. Redick is in, mm-hmm. it's every single time an off-ball screen with J.J. Redick. It's either an off-ball screen or he sets the screen for Simmons and pops to the top of the key every time. I don't understand, like, I mean, I guess it's smart. Coach. I don't understand how teams aren't stopping it, but I mean, I guess I'll take it as smart coaching. And also I think he has the locker room won over. I mean, if you watch these guys, they really do buy into what he says. And <laughs> I would say the biggest thing I've seen this year is I saw him yell on the, on the bench for the first time in four years at a player. He's never done that. He's, he's always been calm, cool and collected. And he always takes things to the locker room and yells at players and gets it done there. But when they went on the road, and they turned the ball over, it was 20-something times. He was livid. And, I mean, I, it's not a good thing, but I guess that game probably – and then the next game they came over and they won by – I forget how much they won by, but they only turned the ball over like seven or eight times. I just think he's actually showed passion for the first time, which I would think is like the anti-Tom Thibodeau. Before. Like, Tom is exactly. always yelling. He's always screaming. That man's voice sounds like it's been ripped out every time you hear him talk. <laughs> So at least hearing what exactly. Jake has said, do you, mm-hmm. do you think that you know Jimmy Butler coming into the situation because now this team is more talented and you know late game situations will get easier because Jimmy Butler has been a workhorse before he can play long minutes, a ton of minutes as well, and we've seen him hit clutch shots before. Do you think that it will make Brett Brown's job easier? Oh, it makes so do it you think easier. That's, do you think that's why he he should be having more pressure put on his plate because now he has more talent? Well, is that where you're? going after there's that but more importantly you add a guy like jimmy just the baseline of you add a guy like jimmy to this team and it makes the like if what happened last year happens to this team go to the conference semifinals let's say they even play the raptors and they lose in six that should be seen as a failure because of what you have on this team you have all the defense in the world you have ben simmons who's the number one pick you've got Joel Embiid, who's a top pick. you got Jimmy Butler, who's probably one of the biggest veteran names. Like, he's not a LeBron James, but he's a big veteran name in this league. And you still can't you, you can't get well, to the NBA Finals. he's a top finals. 20 player. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, uh, top 15. And, 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 I'm, I'm just saying, thing, without a doubt, top 20. I'm and not, the thing I'm going to throw out here hold on. is... You do, you. Don't be an... I'm not saying that he's top 20. That's what's kept <laughs> out. You can put him wherever you want. Mm-hmm. For sure, no one's going to argue that he's not top 20. Fair but enough. here's the thing I'm going to throw out and with Brett Brown and, like... What Jake said, well, oh, if we play the Raptors and lose in six, then maybe he doesn't get fired. All the everything going on with the team is also going to play into it. Look at the Bulls with Tom Thibodeau. Like, look at Jimmy Butler throughout. First year, his first playoff series as a rookie was the one where Derrick Rose tore his the Bulls first seed, tears his ACL, and the 76ers go ahead and win in six. Then the next year, they go ahead and lose to Miami in the second round. That's 2013. Then 2014, you look at it, they get beat by the Washington Wizards. This is when it was just Jimmy. Derrick Rose was out for the whole year, I believe. We lose to the Wizards in five in the first round. Then that 2015 season, that 2015 playoff, we go against LeBron, against the Cleveland Cavaliers, losing six. 
what happens to Tom Thibodeau? He gets fired. So just because you lose to a better, like if you lose to Kawhi Leonard in the second round, that doesn't, that shouldn't mean that, oh, well, Brett Brown, you're safe because, you know, you lost to Kawhi. I think it'll be people will look at it. Elton Brand will look at this team and go, hey, we should be better than this. Why aren't we beating the Raptors in a semifinal series? I'm going to get a coach that actually can prove it and win in the playoffs. Although Brett Brown, I'm not saying this is like, oh, he's a bad coach. It's just going to come down to he can't win in the playoffs. We need someone in here who can win with this team. One, I want to apologize. I don't know why I brought up Derrick Rose against the Pacers. He never got an injury against yeah. the Pacers. I mm-hmm. thought he did for some no. reason. Um, second, though, you kind of kept bringing up expectations mm-hmm. and, and you know bringing a guy into this you know group. There's higher expectations. Your expectations for this team are now with adding Jimmy Butler. You need to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm saying this- no. I'm saying NBA from that this year. For this year, let's see how they gel. But with these names, NBA Finals in this but East, at least, NBA at least, Finals. At least, so <laughs> if they make it, to, if they make, if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and lose, Brett Brown should be fired. Yeah, I mean, really, because you look at it and it's like, why aren't we beating the like? Because this the team much have the younger. Player. This team on paper should be able to go toe-to-toe with any team in the East now, with Jimmy Butler Yes, but losing doesn't mean it's a failure because you also look at Boston. Boston but yet is again, a, Boston depends is a on how you lose. If you go to seven and lose on a last-second shot, okay. I think, but if you lose in four and five, no, that might be a different story. Because even if you get sweep, swept by a team like sweep. the, the Raph— Fuck off. If you, <laughs> even if you get swept by a team like— Bringing in the Jimmy Butler top 20 thing and swept. Well, you're lucky it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Dave. Thanks, yeah, Sean. Um, but even if you get swept by the <laughs> even if you get swept by the Celtics or the Raptors, these are teams with still much more playoff experience than your team. And I, I, outside of I mean, even with Jimmy Butler, I mean, I know Jimmy Butler's been to the playoffs plenty of times mm-hmm. with the Bulls and also last year with the Timberwolves. But you look. Obviously, Kawhi, uh, Kawhi Leonard has been an NBA f- M- uh, Finals MVP. You look at that Raptors team. All of them, or most of them, have been to the playoffs for the past three years. And obviously, with their head coach, you know, maybe that gives them a little bit of a less advantage because Nick Nurse hasn't been mm-hmm. in the head coaching position, but he has been an assistant on that Raptors team when they have gone to the playoffs. And you look at Boston, this is a team that has battled LeBron in back-to-back years in the Eastern Conference Finals. They have Kyrie, who's a former uh, NBA uh, champion. You look at Gordon Hayward, who has had experience um, in Utah going to the, the playoffs. Al Horford, who's gone to the playoffs many times. Jason Tatum, who cut his teeth last year in the playoffs. You look at that bench as well. They have that experience. Marcus Smart was in a, weirdly enough, a you know front position row or uh, you know at least a lead role yep. in that first Eastern Conference Finals matchup against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they have Brad Stevens, who's been a great coach in the playoffs. But I mean, has been a wet boy I was before. Say, so if you if we're talking about coaches who can't succeed in the playoffs, we watched Dwayne Casey get fired for this because he couldn't conquer LeBron Mountain. Mm-hmm. But but where, where's the hype to fire uh, Brad Stevens, coach who can't win? But they, he's got all the talent in the world. Ricky's argument is that you know he's dealt with injuries and he still went last year. He went to seven against LeBron, yeah, and the year injuries. before that, uh, what's well, that? Well, and no, look at it like I know Dave brings <laughs> up. Did I say something stupid? No, no. he's laughing at the injuries and then comparing so, to the Sixers. Oh, but to bring that in, if Dave brings that up, if Brett Brown loses like Brad Stevens lost last year, I would not call for Brett Brown's head. Okay, if you're leading in a series and then lose to LeBron James. And you have a team without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward. Yes, I'm not going to call for your head. But with the team that they have, also another thing that I was going to throw out there is going through. I was kind of going through Jimmy's playoff experience. Rookie year, you know, he wasn't really starting. He loses in the first round. 
Then the second year, he's starting a little bit more you, games. You already went through this. What's the point? No, but I didn't get all the way through it. And Jesus. there's a point to this. Is okay. He loses then, of course, to LeBron in the second round. He doesn't lose. Then the he Bulls loses. Lose. The Bulls lose with him now being the main guy to the Wizards in the first round. Loses to the Cavaliers in the second round. Then the next year, he is, this is his last year with um, the Bulls. Didn't you make the playoffs that year? I don't know why there's well, last year so didn't make it. Did. He did. The second to the last Bulls, one, he didn't. So Hoiberg's first right. year, he didn't. Last one, he did. And Rondo should have helped us beat the Celtics, but we didn't. And then in Minnesota, in Minnesota, you look at it, and he loses to Houston in the first round. So you look at it this way. How much is Jimmy? This is me hot taking it here, and this is not Shocked. serious. But also, Jimmy's <laughs> never been to that conference final. What's going to happen once he gets there? Jimmy's the Chris Paul of the East. What's going to happen <laughs> once he... What, what's going to happen... gets DeMar DeRozan. Or formerly DeMar DeRozan. Or if this team gets to the finals, the what's going to happen once Jimmy Butler gets to that big stage, get gets to that Warriors. conference final? Well, that's why I said Eastern Conference Finals first. Because no, okay. What's going to get there because he's never been there before. But how does that correlate to Brett Brown being fired? Or supposedly No, fired? this is moving away from Brett Brown okay. onto just Jimmy Butler. Expectations so, of Jimmy Butler yeah, is exactly. to take this team to the Well, You should be looking finals? Eastern Conference. Like, with all the Brett Brown stuff that I set aside, yeah. Jake, I will ask you, are you expecting with this team to be in the Eastern Conference Finals this year? Well, I thought at the beginning of the year this being the Eastern Conference Finals, but I'm not going to set expectations until I see them play together. I have to see how Jimmy Butler and all of them play together. But I would think... It, I demand hot takes, Jake. Too. Do you know whose show you're on right now? Let him finish. Yeah. It all depends who they match up against. I mean, if they come against the Raptors in the second round, I mean, tough luck. I mean, <laughs> I mean <laughs> the Raptors are the, the best team in the East by far right now. But if they come against the Bucks in the second round, yeah, I would expect them to beat the Bucks in the second round. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I need to see how the team gels for a couple games in probably a week or two, and then I'll actually be able to set expectations because, I mean, what happens if Jimmy comes on and, just doesn't mesh and then what happens then when you don't have those expectations and is that all going to be Brett Brown's fault Brett Brown's fault or is it going to be on Jimmy I just I don't know it's going to be interesting to see how he comes in and gels with everybody so your expectations is you need to make it to the second round without a doubt and then obviously you got to play it you got to look yeah, at the matchup and how it, how, how, how I was going to say is, is yeah. there a matchup like you, you're talking about this adding Jimmy Butler's team like obviously the Raptors still have our player in Kawhi Leonard but outside of that like is there a team that now you think Jimmy Butler helps you conquer over or makes the matchup much better for you guys? I think Boston would be a pretty interesting matchup now with Jimmy. I also think that we need to think about the Sixers are going to add people with the buyout that happened later in the year because they need to add somebody at least, like they did last year, Bill Nelly and Iliasova. It'll be interesting to see who they get later in the season Corp. with those. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually Sorry, think it's something my, uh, yeah. No, I think Kyle Corver would be a good fit. I mean, I really want to get Kyle Corver too because I don't want the Bucks to get Kyle Corver. <laughs> I, I need. I just don't yeah. want that to happen at all. I just think. Um. I, I think Boston would be a pretty interesting series, and I mean they haven't looked so hot either starting the season. So we'll see. Is the idea role that you need to fill now for the 76ers after this? And I'm going to go to Dave next about his expectations, but I just want to yeah. stick on this since you brought it up. Um. Is the idea mm-hmm. role to next fill for the 76ers team just a shooter off the bench? What are you looking for to you know help bolster this team, especially when you're going up against the teams that we've been mentioning? Um. You know Raptors, Bucks, Celtics, etc. Um, what, what are you expecting this team to add, and what do you think they most need watching this team? Oh, I don't even. I, I, I think the biggest thing is adding a, a real four to start, to stretch four to start. Because, I mean, as it looks now, down the stretch, they got rid of Dario, so Ben's probably going to have to play and guard the four. 
And I, I mean, Ilya Silva was looking real good if we would have paid him. <laughs> so is uh, Be Jelly. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I think uh, I, I, I would. I think Landry Shamit played really well too, and I think his progression throughout the season is going to show who they're going to add. Because I mean, if he keeps playing well till the end of the season, I don't really need to. I don't think they really need to add another guard off the bench. Um, I think a four. I don't know what they're going to do exactly yet. I think Muscala played pretty well, but he's hurt right now, so maybe they'll plug him at the four to start. Uh, I mean, whenever he comes back, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who plays the four and if nobody can grasp the role of the four. Which I mean, they don't do much in the six; they just stand on the three-point line. And do you have any hope for like the younger guys, like Jonah Bolden, or if we do see a Zaire Smith come back healthy, uh, be able to kind of help fit in this team? Or do you think that their roles are pretty limited based off the expectations now? Yeah, I mean, I think Jonah Bolden could grow as well, but I've only seen him play in one game so far. So I mean, I'm not going to expect him to come play 20 minutes every night. I think um, if any young guy could pop up, I think it's Shannon. I think he played really, really well. And when they bring him and J.J. Redick off the bench and play together with Ben up top, it's really it's dangerous. Not a lot of teams can stop it. Well, and he's a guy, too, Shamit, who's, I think he was a four-year player or a three-year player at Wichita State. When you look at, you know, uh, Jonah Bolden, obviously he had time at UCLA, but then obviously went overseas and really hasn't played this level of competition yet, where Shamit has been a lead role and a, and a lead role player on a team that was, you know, really good um, in, in college. So it's not too shocking that he hasn't had too much of a, a learning curve uh, coming over to the NBA. But, Dave, we talked about expectations. What are your expectations for the 76ers? Obviously, Ricky's bringing up NBA Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, you know, Brett Brown being firing. Uh, Jake's thinking at least second round, and, you know, obviously you got to depend on the matchup. Uh, where are you thinking at least uh, when it comes to expectations for the 76ers team, this new-look 76ers team? I think that the expectations should be pretty much set at, as long as you're not facing the Raptors, I think there's a matchup that you have a very good chance to win. Like, I'll be honest. Well, I, well then let me bring this yeah. up. Why, and I just ran over from the, so if it, Sounded weird when I was off mic. Um, but why can't they beat the Raptors? Because you talk about you know Kawhi being a better player than Jimmy Butler. But also, He's doesn't this help career. you beat Jim, uh, Kawhi Leonard more? Because this is a guy that's going to be matched up with Kawhi Leonard. And we're looking at Jimmy Butler, who's shown himself or wants to show himself as the ultimate competitor. Right. So, I mean, how, how does this not help Kawhi's them beat the Raptors? a better version of Jimmy Butler. Like, he is longer, he is stronger, he is he's a better shooter. A lot more playoff and he's success. a better defender. He's had playoff success. Mm-hmm. He's been a finals MVP. Also been on better teams, so. though. That, too. But, like, basically, as much of a help as Jimmy Butler is to this team to have another shot creator on your team, someone who can, you can put the ball in his hands and feel confident, that Raptors team, and we talk about it's just the depth on that team and the level of growth, I'm completely wrong. I was like, are we worried about them going backwards? And it's like, no, Pascal Siakam is mm-hmm. everything we hope for and more. OG Anubi is stepping up again. Like, we're seeing the reemergence of Serge Ibaka being a top player, now moving to that center position. Like, he is, they're finding the right ways to use that roster. And it's scary because that Raptors team is just legitimate top to bottom they're 10 deep they're the orlando magic of the east <laughs> but good. who are in the east I, I don't i don't disagree with that yeah. though but i'm just saying like you know we, we talk about you know the raptors not being you know being so great yeah but also i mean when we look at this Kawhi versus jimmy butler it's not like it's gonna be a blowout of no, a matchup it's, it's going not. to be close, close yeah. we understand that Kawhi leonard's a fantastic player he's taken over playoff series before he's been the best player in you know playoff series with lebron james he's been the best player in, you know playoff series and dominated the memphis grizzlies um in his last playoff series almost beat the warriors in game 
game one, mm-hmm. which seemed like an unbeatable you know, feat. Yeah. But also, Jimmy Butler has shown himself to be a fantastic player. And although, obviously, Kawhi's a better player, I still think that's very close. And then you look at the next players. Ben Simmons is better than Kyle Lowry. And then you also look at Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's better so, than Serge Ibaka hey, and, let's, and let's better than Jonas Valanciunas. That Ben Simmons, Kyle Lowry, one of them can shoot from the outside. One of them can't. But They're both excellent whoa. passers this year. Here's my thing. is Yes, but also who's a better defender? Right now, ben it's Simmons. Ben Simmons by and, far. And also, Ben Simmons is much harder to guard than Kyle Lowry. I would and argue also Kyle Lowry's that, shot distance makes him harder to guard. You have to be able to guard him from 30 feet out. And you have the defenders to do that. Because if you wanted to... <laughs> You could you put, put Ben, ben Simmons on him. On him. Yes. And you know what's going to make it really hard for 6'2 Kyle Lowry to shoot? 6'11 Kyle Ben Lowry Simmons in his face. backs him down. He's got that big booty. He knows <laughs> he's thick. I still, he I still take Ben Simmons' <laughs> wingspan to block his shot. Um, I'm just saying, right now Kyle Lowry is playing like the best of his career. Like, he's aging fantastically. He's got that Steve Nash aging going and, oh, on. And I don't, he's having a great year, so I, I would not put it past him. Don't right now Ben Simmons still is a positive on offense. But we've seen what happens to him in the playoffs. But he, and he is there's an easy recipe to slow him well. down. It's oh, and and Jake's obviously going to yeah. bring up the fact that he played well outside of the one point performance. We know Jake, um, and obviously we know the Walt, <laughs> Will Chamberlain picture of him holding up the one. But also, this is going to make it easier for him to perform in the playoffs. He has Jimmy Butler. He has Joel Embiid. It doesn't change. He doesn't his game. need to be the guy. It doesn't change his game, but it makes it easier for him to do this because he has Jimmy Butler, a former All Star on his team. He has Joel Embiid, who's better so now. So the ball's out of his hand more. And what does he do with? the ball in his hand. No, but I'm saying you're passing. That's to, right. Nothing. You're, you're, the no, answer's you're passing it to guys <laughs> to guys who are much dangerous who could put up 30 oh, points a night. So I it's, absolutely it's agree. going to make the offense more dangerous. So it's but going could to it take more pressure the off offense. Of could it could it no. turn into ISO games from Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid? You don't get that team rotation of basketball. You don't get uh, having JJ Redick spin and just sprint across the court on these pick and rolls. Like there's. Here, Possibly, there are a lot of questions because when it comes to playoff basketball, the game pace is slowed down. You can really zero in on teams, and you can punish them for their weakness. And poss- that's where I worry about this team. Possibly, but we can also see parts where they try to pull away by you know putting Jimmy Butler and Joe on at the floor at the same time, taking Ben off, and then when those two come out, you have Ben Simmons running that offense. And Ben Simmons against the bench, I'll take Ben Simmons. Even Ben Simmons guarded by Kyle Lowry, although Kyle Lowry's fantastic. I'm not trying to bash yeah, Kyle Lowry, and he hasn't been great in the playoffs, <laughs> grumble, grumble. but Kyle Lowry's <laughs> yeah, been good. Yeah. I'm still going to take Ben Simmons versus Kyle Lowry. Yeah, that's what right. you're going to say. The thing that I'm, and this is my kind of last point on it, is I know that like you look at, if we look at Ben and Joe, yep. and compare it to Cat and Wiggins, completely day and night from what Jimmy Butler wants. Jimmy Butler wants the attitudes of Joe and Ben. But here's the thing I worry about, and I want to see with Jimmy moving forward, is at first, everything's going to be fine. New team, you're getting honeymoon, honeymoon stage, yeah, like yeah. and everything feels great. There's going to be two sides, the Joe and Ben side, and then the Brett Brown side. If they start losing to the Raptors or start losing to the Bucks and start losing some games, I'm not saying they're going to uh, fall off the table. Plus but potential playoff if, matchups. If it's not what these players are expecting win-wise or they get to a playoff series and it's they're, Jimmy's like, hmm, it's not that much different. Yeah, I'm in the playoffs and it's a different team, but we're, I'm still not getting past this. When does Jimmy turn on either Ben or Joe <laughs> Or Brett Brown. I'm going more Brett Brown. I don't think he's going to turn on Ben and Joe. That's what I'm waiting for with Jimmy. Because the last three teams we've seen that basically ever since Derrick Rose and it wasn't his team in Chicago, fought, like once Fred Hoiberg started, 
it was terrible with him in Chicago. It's been terrible with him in Minnesota. It's going to happen again. It's a trend. It's very Here's the third one. Yeah. I'm just, at this point, so I'm just waiting for it to happen again. But, like, you went from a player-friendly coach in Fred Hoiberg but had a system that Jimmy didn't want to play in. To his guy in to Tom his guy. Thibodeau. Well, you're saying his guy. He appreciates Tom Thibodeau's mm-hmm. work ethic. He clearly is not a fan of 41 <laughs> fucking minutes a night, in his own words. And he was too young before to say, hey, Tom, maybe. And Brett Brown, who is a well, player-friendly coach, well, he was a rookie. who has a system that they use, but that system is very, mm-hmm. very uh, malleable. Like, they have not been, like, this is our go-to, this is how we run our offense. Yeah, it's not like Dan Tony seven seconds. Exactly. So, like, I think that that means that, he, I think that he'll be a pretty good fit. Like, Jake, what do you think about, like, Brett Brown plus Jimmy Butler? Do you think they're going to be on the same page, or do you think it's going to be, like, you know, uh, it'll take a while to get them kind of in the groove. I think it'll be, it'll obviously take a little bit, but I think it'll be fine. I think what Brett Brown's shown is whenever he gets a player, he'll adjust his system to fit them and play them in the best situation that they can be put in. And I think he'll do the same with Jimmy Butler. Well, I think one thing too is, um, it, uh, well, the question is, how do you think it won't work? I mean, like in what ways do you see possibly the marriage of Brett Brown and Jimmy Butler not working out? Um, with him being the coach, because obviously, you know, Brett Brown has been yeah. able to put you know players into the right situation. But even then, Jimmy Butler arguably was in the right situation in Minnesota. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, the franchise's um, ability to want to put Cat and Wiggins in the forefront and not Jimmy kind of pissed them off. I, I mean, how, mm-hmm. how I mean, do you think that, you know, Jimmy's not going to be able to mesh well with Joel and Ben Simmons because he's not really getting that shine? I mean, he's going to get a contract extension and these guys work their asses off um, or it looks like they do. But, I mean, which ways do you not think the Brett Brown and, and Jimmy Butler marriage can't work or even the Brett, uh, the Jimmy Butler and 76ers marriage can't work? Yeah, I think um, I could see a problem with usually late in the game we go to Joe for a basket. I mean, usually it's him just posting up or him taking somebody on an ISO and maybe Jimmy wants to be the guy to take that final shot. I mean, I don't think Embiid and Simmons, Simmons doesn't give a crap because he knows he can't shoot. So, I mean, he's not going to get the last <laughs> shot. I I just think I, I think one common goal they're all going to share is they just want to win. They don't care. I don't think Embiid cares about putting up numbers. I don't think Fenn cares about putting. Obviously, doesn't care about putting up numbers. He put up one point in the playoff game. But I just don't. I think that Jimmy, what like he said in the past, all he wants to do is win. And I think every single person in the Sixers organization and on that and on the team feel the same exact way. And no matter what, whatever they have to do to get to the outcome, they'll all do it. Now let me bring up this because when you were talking about this, it just popped in my head, and I want to go to Ricky. Mm-hmm. Can Ben Simmons turn into a more athletic Draymond Green? In the fact that he doesn't care about putting up numbers, he'll be able to dish the ball out. He'll be able to, you know, get blocks, get steals, get boards. He's, he doesn't need to put up twenty a night. Do you think that's possible? I mean, I don't know if it's exactly possible, but I think it's one of those where we're kind of talking. This is going into the all right. Let's try to fit a mold that the Warriors do, where it's like, hey, I don't need to score points. Like you could be that guy that, hey, I don't need to score points. I'm just going to do these things really well and then maybe get my 10 a night and be fine. If he did that and the team is winning, I don't think they're upset about it. The thing that I look at and, like, I agree. Ben, Joe, and um, Jimmy are all going to be on the same page. They want to win. But I just wonder, and this will be an end of the season not thing. This won't be a during the season thing. If this team falls, let's say falls this year in the second round, and then fast forward to next year's playoffs. Jimmy, brand new contract with the 76ers. They do it all again. When does Jimmy look and go, hmm, this is not what I said. Well, now he's saying, this is not what I signed up for. Like, that's what I worry about, where it's like, 
early on, it's going to be great. But I am waiting more so with the Brett Brown side. I am waiting for maybe it's because I don't expect this team to go to the finals Mm -hmm. to if they get matched up with the Raptors, go to the Eastern Conference finals. When is the relationship between Jimmy and Brett Brown going to turn solid? Well, that's and that's fair. I think I think, you know, after this season and then if Mm -hmm. it happens again the next season, I think then you could start bringing up the question of, you know, Brett Brown's coaching, you know, Mm -hmm. future, because obviously that's three straight years in a row where you're losing in the second round or you're losing in the playoffs and you're not getting to the desired goal of the Eastern Conference Finals or at least to the NBA Finals. Especially if, like, the um, let's say the Raptors go and they beat the Warriors somehow. Yeah, not or, saying it's going to happen. Or even if Kawhi leaves yeah. Toronto and that team, you know, it obviously gets worse. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously I think that could, you know, definitely be a possibility. But I think the biggest thing, and this keeps being brought up, is their you know, will to win. I mean, Joel Embiid has shown nothing but wanting to be the best. Yeah. And being the best entails winning. And I think that's going to be something where Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid are going to be aligned. And Ben Simmons, so far, like Jake said, he's a team player. He's not going to care about his points. He's just caring about winning. He's caring about, you know, being a part of this team. He's not really a big personality. He's a guy that, you know, enjoys his things. He does his stuff on Instagram. But, I mean, you don't really see him, you know, getting frustrated too much. And you don't see him, you know, being super vocal about, you know, his frustrations with the team too much in in the media. So that's something where I think they're going to work together. And I think the only way it's going to happen is not really – if their attitudes change, because I don't think their attitudes will change. It's just if the product and the expectations aren't met of winning. And that's why I kept bringing up the expectations. Um, but obviously the contract extension is going to happen with Jimmy Butler, and, or most likely going to happen with Jimmy Butler and the mm-hmm. Philly 76ers. We said very likely. Um, is, is, is there a way that this, you know, it, it, well, <laughs> if the extension is met, yeah. Ben Simmons is there, Joel Embiid is there, and this team doesn't win, uh, finals and this team doesn't go to the finals in any of the six years that they'll have Jimmy Butler if he signs a five-year deal or if it's a, a four-year deal. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think he can sign a Supermax. So let's just say five years, um, including this one. Is it a failure, this deal a failure for the Philadelphia 76ers if they do not make a final appearance or even win a finals uh, in Jimmy Butler's tenure with the 76ers? Jake, I'll go to you first. I mean, yeah, if you don't, if you trade for this star to complete your big three and you don't make the finals for five years, that's, I would say that's pretty much a failure. But, I mean, it all depends. If the Warriors stay together for five more years, then, hell, maybe I don't want to go to the finals and get swept. <laughs> I don't know. That, that's strong, Jake. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. It's, I think it's a failure if you can't make it to the finals, period. I think if you make it to the finals and you go, like, you get two losses in the finals, I would be probably tempered expectations if it was Warriors, Warriors. If it was anybody but yeah. the Warriors coming out of that West and we lost like back to back, I'd be pissed. Yeah, like, I'd be just straight yeah. Even if it's up pissed. Super Suns. Yeah, yeah. When when they flip and win forty more games, <laughs> you know, just just like the switch of a light. Uh, no, like, that's yeah. I, I would be super disappointed if you weren't able to capture something in the finals. You need to have something tangible to coming out of this. Mm-hmm. Failure for Jimmy. If they don't, it's a failure for Jimmy, not for the 76ers. You wow. want to know why? Yeah. They've got their pick this year. Next year, they got two and twenty-one, one and twenty. You didn't give up first-round pick. They're like, not going to be great picks. Like, See, you, you look at it, and I go, like, for what you gave up. I mean, yeah, Rocco and Saric were good, but it's like they were part of the Jimmy original Butler process. was like Jimmy Butler is way better. And if you're not winning a finals after five years, that's more on Jimmy than it is on you as a team. See, I don't know if it's it's on Jimmy, but it, like my my the reason I framed it that way was because I don't mm-hmm. think it's a failure for what you said. Because they didn't you, give up. You if went, they gave up a first. There were two firsts. All right, and then maybe we're giving up the future. You didn't give up the farm. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, is Jimmy Butler? Uh, would you rather have Jimmy Butler or Dario Saric or mm-hmm. Robert Covington? 
I'd yeah. rather have Jimmy Butler. Yep. And and it's you you made your team better. It, it's as simple as that. And maybe it's just not in the cards that your team wins an NBA Finals. Maybe it's not in the, the cards that your team goes to the NBA Finals. But you made a move to push your team towards that expectation, mm-hmm. and that's a step. And obviously, it doesn't mean that that's going to happen. And then maybe it is a coaching problem. Maybe it's just the ability of them not maybe being able to mesh together. I don't think it's a failure, though, on the 76ers organization, because I don't think you're doing something where you're building up a new dynasty in Minnesota. You're giving up pieces that would have helped you win a championship. No, you because the up- pieces that are going to help you win a championship are the ones that you just acquired, and it's Jimmy Butler. Yeah, the one thing that you, like, Jake, I have to assume on your behalf, and you can please confirm for me, like, this is a Sixers team who is constantly making moves, constantly trying to improve. So, like, I don't know how you could get mad at them. Yes, you know, Rocco and Dario were great pieces from, you know, the the start of the process, really. But, like, they are pieces. They are not stars that you build around. They are just guys who help fill in the holes. And I have every faith that this team's going to go out and try to find another piece to fit in better with this roster. And then next year, they're going to do the same thing. Like, this is not a team that rests on, like, we're going to bring back our core and just tweak it a little bit, like, Look at what the Wizards are doing right now. They're struggling hard. And mm-hmm. guess what they've done in the past couple of years? Nothing. They, they, they've kept their same group together. They've not made any changes. And they can't get anywhere. Like they, That's just a team in frustration. They're, they're, they're in like NBA hell right now. And we, we see this team. And I'm like, look, you've got young talent. You're in a great position. You're going to keep tweaking. You're going to keep adding. You're going to keep changing. And that's what they need to do. And that's what I'm happy to see. The one thing, I, I it's a sad thing. It's like I just look over at the other half and I go, Milwaukee changed head coaches from the worst head coach to mm-hmm. a top 10 head coach, potentially better than that, depending on your rankings. Like, And we see the day and night difference of what a head coach does for a team. And I wonder, I don't want to go full Ricky. I don't want to agree with him mm-hmm. 100%, but I think it's a valid <laughs> question to go, we'll see what Brett Brown can do now that he has his talent. But like, if they struggle, if we see them lose in a, in a manner that is completely the fault of coaching, bad lineups, bad rotations, bad time management, bad whatever you whatever you want to you know chalk it up to, like, then you have to start wondering. That's the piece that, like, we're going to change players. Are you going to have the balls to change coaches? All right. Here is the final question. And then uh, mm-hmm. after we all answer this final question, we will go to final thoughts. This is my favorite question to ask with every 76ers big move. It's my favorite question to talk about with the Sixers. Yep. Jake, <laughs> is the process complete now with Jimmy Butler being a Philadelphia 76er? I mean, yeah. I mean, you'd have to say, like, lose-wise, you'd have to say, yeah. I mean, they traded away. Robert Covington, who's been there, he was the only player who'd been there since the very start of the process, and that he's the one who hurts to go. But I mean, you trade him and Dario, and the only thing that could maybe complete the process is changing your head coach. But I don't think that happens in the next couple years. So I would say this is the closest we're going to get to finishing the process for a long time. Is the process complete, David Oster? I want to say yes. The process was to assemble a team of stars. They have assembled a team of stars. They've got three guys who are legit All NBA talent. 100% say it's it's complete. No. Ricky? No, it's not. And I'm going to relate it to my Cubs. Much like Steve Bartman, mm-hmm. until we were able to get Steve Bartman, that World Series ring, and all that kind of faded away, it was not complete. This is not complete until you can send Sam Hinky a World or a Jeez, NBA Finals ring. They wouldn't. Silver will they die wouldn't. Before he gets He's it. getting the replica that they give out in the fucking promotion <laughs> hey, games. Over Adam one, Silver's grave. Once you can like, say, hey, you know what? We kind of hate for what you did. And yeah, we were bad a lot. But here you go. Here's your ring. The process ain't over until you win I feel it like all. you're moving the goalposts on this one. Like the OG process. Jay, correct me if I'm wrong was to tank to get enough stars to compete for a championship. Right? Yep. That was that was the scope yep. of it. That yep. 
Right. So you're just moving the goalposts well, on us. I'm not a Sixer fan, so like I don't care what your process is. The process is to win a championship. These that should be the only have, process. Man, these words this basically don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. Right now. I think this is. And I like you anyways, Dave. <laughs> this is my take, and I think this is this is what we should. Pro- I probably shouldn't be saying this on the podcast, <laughs> but if you want to make a ton of money, because this is the truth. You should go out and put on, put get like the fabric of the uh, the the sweat shirt, sweat sweat jumpsuit, Rocky jumpsuit, yeah. uh, third outfits, the city outfits for the city uniforms Ooh. for the uh, the Seventy Sixers. Yeah. Get that type of fabric. Yeah. All right. And then in the red, white, and blue, have processes complete and have a full bar. Sell that shit, Philadelphia. You'll make so much money. Oh my god, you're right. I don't know if you why should put that. Why don't we? That's what I was saying. Process, I was saying like, that's, that's no, why I, this is getting cut. We're gonna do this. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can make a ton of money because the process is complete. It is done. Like Rick, uh, like Dave said, it was all about tanking and getting stars. This is the core. You're gonna resign Jimmy Butler. You have your big three: Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler. I think this core can compete with the title contenders in the East, probably not the Warriors, but everybody else in the Western Conference. They have the core to compete, so this is now the time where you got to see what the process does. This was Sam Hinkie's idea. Now you got to see what they can do. And maybe you need to make some changes, like at the coaching uh, you know, position. Maybe you need to add some players on the bench, but that's not the process. The process is getting the players, and you got it. This is your core. Now you need to run with it. Markel Fultz growing and becoming a better player is just a sweetener on the process. Changing coaches and possibly getting a ring is just a sweetener. But the process is complete in my mind, and I think people should start printing shirts. Um, hot off the presses, come and get them. Uh, but final thoughts on the Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, Jake, I want to end with you uh, because you're probably going to have the most optimistic take. Ricky, we'll go to you. Oh, me? Yeah. yeah uh, final, final thoughts on this. No, my final thought trade. is uh, let's see what they can do. Let's see how they can compete in the East. And uh, on non-76er news i can't wait for this offseason to see the next process in the celtics because right now they have between 18 and 22 for those five picks it's not a process that's just they're gonna trade for stars that's just they're gonna trade for something i mean it's just a shame that you know they only got uh, like a 20th overall pick for mark Fultz. it's uh it's a bit silly right jake right highway right, robbery, highway highway robbery. robbery. Uh, I, I'm optimistic. I, I think this this team is going to be fantastic this year. I, I'm going second round. I, I will go second round. I think op, that, At that's worst. me. Being, yeah, that that's the entry thing. Is you get to the second round again, and let's see what you can do. I want to know the matchup. I can't guarantee anything beyond that. All I can say is that obviously you know again like you guys I'll hark on this. You guys have to you know see what happens because we haven't seen these players yeah. play together. Yeah. Um, this team could be you know the all star team. Hot the East. take reaction. Um. You know, it, it, it's. I think it's a fantastic move. I don't think you're hurting your team. I think you're only helping your team. If the 76ers will get on the Minnesota uh, Timberwolves side um, in the next topic. But what I want to end on is I cannot wait till March 6, boys. That's a, that's all I'll say. We gotta buy them tickets Woo! now. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to release the, the prices oh, yeah. are going up. Release the oh, no. uh, the whole the whole idea. But I cannot wait till March 6 when we see Jimmy Butler back in Chicago. Uh, but in a Philadelphia 76er uniform, hopefully we will get the full 76ers versus the full Bulls because it's going to be a fucking oh blow. Nah, Jimmy will sit. <laughs> General Soros. Uh, no, I mean, he's, he's, he's finally out of Minnesota, so he's going to be playing 41 minutes a night and be happy about it. Uh, Jake, end us on a high note on your 13th straight month. And you guys got Jimmy Butler. What a time. You were trashing Lonzo Ball, and we're talking about Pat Bev punching, uh, you know, beating up uh, Lonzo Ball the last time. And now we're talking about Jimmy Butler being the 76ers. Uh, final thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I just had to sit back. I, remember I did this a couple hours ago with 
realized four years ago we were playing with Tony Roden, Hollis Thompson, Henry Sims, and Nerland Noel. Now we have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Jimmy Butler. So for anybody who says the process doesn't work, you can get a suck one. I mean, it <laughs> I mean, the, classy. the Warriors will tell you their process is a little better, but okay. Yeah, they were bad for, what, 40 years? And then they finally got good? Uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, this is that, that. I'm glad I ended it with you. Um, I think it just speaks on the maturity of the core, and the, the the belief is is you know is there in these kids. And you look at Ben Simmons being 20 years old, Joe being as young as he is, uh, Markel as well. I mean, you're making this move because you're investing in the core that you have in the process. Um, and there's still growth to be made in this core, and, and this team's going to get better. So I think 76ers' uh, ex- expectations should be high um, and, and should be bright because, like Jake said, uh, the process is only getting better, and, and everyone else can suck one. <laughs> so Jake, thank you for joining us. <laughs> As always, it was a fun time, uh, and we appreciate uh, your, uh, your your loyalty as a patron. If you want to be a patron, check out patreon.com slash podcast. You can be on the Fast Break Primetime Podcast, on Psychic, Rick and Johnny Podcast, or Patreon Podcast uh, each and every month. Jake, thank you so much. But let's move into the other side of the trade. Obviously, we talked about Philadelphia. We talked about the Sixers for 55 minutes with Jake. We want to thank him again. And you can become a patron at patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, but let's jump in on the other side and talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, they give up Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton. They get Robert Covington, Dario Saric, a 2022 second-round pick, and Jared Bayless. Um, so that is the whole trade. Jared Bayless is uh, one year deal. What's up? Big winners there. Yeah. Uh, Jared Bayless is one year deal will expire this year, so that's going to free up cap space for them. And they get two guys who can be in their starting lineup um, in Robert Covington and Dario Saric. Let's first grade this for, mm-hmm. for Minnesota because obviously not only you're grading it on the trade basis, but then also the timing. And should this been a deal made sooner? With the deals on the table that we've heard with Miami and Houston, is this the right deal? Overall, what do you think about this, and what grade would you give this trade for Minnesota? I think the grade is probably somewhere in the C, C minus range. Like it took forever to get done. This seems like a an interesting package put together because you get Robert Covington, a player who is yes, um, All NBA defense first team, I believe this past year. Uh, you know he is a streaky three point shooter, but he is the three and D guy that most teams are looking for. And you get Dario, who he's a four, he can shoot, he's smooth, but he can't play like a defense. He tries. They get that going for you. He's also been bad this year. He's been he's been terrible. And as Jake this is, is complaining, he's thinking it's about his uh, Euro time. He's, he's playing been, a, he's playing a lot yeah, of basketball. Playing a lot of basketball. So maybe he's just a little worn out, which will work out great for playing under Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> uh, yeah, those minutes are going perfect. Uh, no, I, I think for me it just comes down to the fact that you wanted to get some great value out of Jimmy Butler, and you got a long-term contract with a potential 3 and D guy. And you got a four who is offensively gifted and doesn't play great defense. How does that fit in with your current team? Because you have Cat who doesn't play defense and is offensively gifted. So you got two great, you know, a four-five combo, and it's just be like an empty lane for the enemy, or enemy, for the opposing center <laughs> and power forward out there. It's just like, well, there's the basket. It's all yours because we're not going to do much to stop you. Dave's got there. Overlord on the mind, talking about enemies. Yeah, <laughs> great movie by the way. Check out Overlord. Uh, not sponsored. Uh, what are you? What's the grade for Minnesota Timberwolves? I kind of, at first I kind of want to give it an F, but I'm gonna I'm gonna B B U man. I'm gonna go up. I'm gonna say D minus. And the reason that. being Generous. is, I mean, Dar- there is there's value in Dario and Rocco, but the thing that I look at is first off, you didn't get a first round pick, which is crazy. Second off, I look at both of the other deals, Heat and Rockets, and I know that the Rockets one could have got Kelly Olynyk. Well, people are going to say, well, oh, for the Rocket one, they didn't want to send them to a Western Conference rival. 
why you're not competing with them. You're nowhere near the final, so why should you care? Dang. Number two, you're going to get four first-round picks. Yeah, the first two might not be that good, depending on how they're spaced out, but Chris Paul won't be playing well. That Rockets team might come down in a few years. Those last two might be actual first-round picks that you can use where it's like we'd be looking at going, man, the Rockets. Exactly. The Rockets would be like, man, why did we make that trade? And then you got Miami, which had first-round picks in it, and that's the thing I look at where it's like, to me, with this deal, what it tells me, they're not going to fire Tom Thibodeau, and that is why this is an F. I'm gonna I'm downgrading wow. it back again to an F because <laughs> if they were going to take thirty first, seconds later, just exactly, I'm going to flip flop in my head. I'm going to say you can F trust Ricky Wilson's opinion. It's never this means that they're not going to get rid of Tom Thibodeau because why would you add players that Dave goes well? How do they fit in? Well, obviously, you think actual NBA players are going to fit in better than, hey, let's just take draft picks, and whoever the next coach is, they can help us pick when now, who's going to be this when team. Now. We'll be getting into the whole Thibodeau mm-hmm. thing, because that's why I wanted to make this yeah. a whole separate topic, because you have well, the Thibodeau I, thing, you have the, the obviously mm-hmm. how this core will work together, what's and, the expectation for this team, and then also what's the future And I know team. I'm foreshadowing here, Pat, I'm working with him to get him on here. He wants mm-hmm. to talk about in the future if Tom Thibodeau should even be a coach in the NBA. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that, too. But, like, I look at this and I go, I look at this deal and I say, Tom Thibodeau's not getting fired because they're taking veterans that maybe he can help win now and fit his system rather than a blanket of picks for a new coach to come in and kind of rework this canvas. Here's the thing is you, you say veterans, and I don't think that's fully wrong because they have been in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, Dario was but they're not like Jimmy and, Butler. And Rojo has yeah. been in the league since 2013. Um, but I mean, you look at them, they're still, I mean, Robert Covington's 27 and mm-hmm. he's still in his prime and Just, he's still going to be yeah. good for the next you know, five years and he's yeah. under contract for four years and it's a great contract to have him under. We You're think, paying him. I, I think it's a good contract. Yeah. In my opinion, right now it's four a good years, I think it's 47 million, yep. even at that high end, which I think it, you know, in the back end is going to be like 12 million a year. I still think that's good yeah. price for a 3 and D starter. I mean, you're yeah. looking at deals like Courtney Lee right now, and he's making $12 million a year. I'd much sure, rather actually. be playing Robert Covington $12 million a year than a guy like Courtney Lee. Like, it's not a bad contract compared to other contracts that have been signed recently. I think it's a good contract for the player you're getting. It's not crazy amount. If it's $12 million, it's not really no, killing true. you. No, With the inflation that we're going to see in the salary cap for the teams, I think you're right, actually. That's, that's probably... Pretty great contract. And then with Dario, he's only 24 years old. And yes, obviously he hasn't been playing great this year, but maybe he needs a cha- change of scenery. Maybe he needs a different role because maybe he wasn't going to work well with Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. Maybe he needs to be you know put on a team with you know Derrick Rose that's going to help him. You know I don't know how. Um, but <laughs> maybe he just needs a change of scenery. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I don't think it's a horrible return. Obviously there could have been better returns. I like this more actually than the Miami Heat. Or sorry, I like this more than the Houston Rocket return because you might get Eric Gordon. You might get uh, you know, I think uh, P.J. Tucker well, they was, was out there. They weren't giving uh, up both of them at the same time. It was the well, like, you'll get a Marquise Chris or Brennan Knight. The the idea was the four first round picks. Yeah. And although that sounds great in, in theory, if we're talking about 2023 and 2025 first round picks, how is that going to help Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins now? Because when those kick in, that's going to be in five years. And Wiggins is going to be, I think, 30 at that time. Or maybe maybe I'm doing my math wrong. He's going to be like 27, 28. Yeah. Like, he's going to be a little bit older, and it's going to be into the part where he needs to win now. And Cat, I think, is 21. So he'll be like 26, 27. Yeah. That's a long time to wait to then draft a kid who you're going to need to even wait longer for them to hit their peak. So, like, even whatever the math is, 
they're going to be right. near the end of their prime or just no, in their they'll, prime. They'll be in their prime. They'll both when, be in their prime. The problem is that, like you said, it's the how quickly can a rookie contribute to a team that's in win-now mode. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But does that mean that they can then flip that pick for a star to help add to this but team do we trust, to compete? But do we trust the Minnesota Timberwolves nope. for an office to do that? No. And also, do we trust them to build homegrown talent? Not really, because although Carl Anthony Towns was the number one pick mm-hmm. and the for sure number one pick in, in that draft, he hasn't been, you know, the the star that we've been promised, obviously with his inconsistency, he has shown the talent and it hasn't been a bad pick, but also we have expected a lot more than Carl Anthony Towns has shown us. And we look at Andrew Wiggins, yes, he was rookie of the year, but again, we expect more mm-hmm. from Andrew Wiggins. And really, outside of those two, the only other homegrown talent star that they've had is Kevin Love, and they got rid of him. Well, they haven't been and also a team. Zach Levine, they got rid of him. But he wasn't great. No, but I'm saying, like, we're seeing what he could have been. If they would have just hung on to him, maybe this is a different team. I don't, team. I, but I don't think, my point is, I don't think they would have been able to do that mm-hmm. because I don't think they can grow the, the talent. That's mm-hmm. my point, is throughout my life, you know, I, KG was drafted before me. So you're saying, and they, like, the, the homegrown talent that they've had is Kevin Gar- mm-hmm. Garnett, Kevin Love, and then Andrew Wiggins so and Carlton the, They don't have a good track record of building up prospects. So you're saying those are the only two that have been good or great while on the T-Wolves. Yeah, what you're who saying. have been grown in the team, who have been drafted by the Timberwolves and grown into stars. Well, Kevin I mean, Love, Andrew Wiggins, Carlton Towns, and Car- Kevin Garnett. They have not had a great track record of building stars. And, so I don't trust them giving them four first-round draft picks, especially if Tom Pedro is running basketball operations well, over there. And the thing you say about the first-round picks I get— but maybe it's because in my mind, now that Jimmy's off this team, I don't think that with Wiggins and Cat, if you were to ask me in the next, like, after they're done with their primes, will a Wiggins-Cat-led T-Wolves team be a playoff team and be a team that we talk about much like we do, like, for the East, mm-hmm. Raptors, Bucks, Celtics, 76ers? No. So I don't the, look at them as a championship-level team with being the building pieces. I think they'll be, maybe at best, like, oh, they cracked the seventh seed. That's fine to think that. But my point is, again, is, like, mm-hmm. I don't think they have— like, you're I mean, They're literally trading feeding. away a draft pick that someone they just selected in the draft a year ago, and Justin mm-hmm. Patton, mm-hmm. who's just— Garbage. It complete, well, he's completely, like, overwhelmed with injuries. Like, you have a big man who has injuries— it's just a bad, you know, it, it's a bad set of circumstances. Ah. So, again, they've missed on yet another draft pick, and mm-hmm. that was one half of the Jimmy Butler deal, yeah. to be fair. I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude towards, and also you also gave up your seventh pick, and who was Laurie Markham. Well, you, yeah. you, well, you passed up the ability to take a player. Yeah. So, you're, obviously, your draft evaluation was not telling you that this player was worth holding on to, yeah. or at least the, any player in that range, whether it was you're going with Laurie Markham or anyone who went behind him, mm-hmm. like a Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Like, you were, you passed up the opportunity to take a Donovan Mitchell to take a Laurie Markham. You passed up that opportunity. Yeah. So your draft evaluation has been poor. Your draft evaluation has been poor because you took Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn in the same draft as Steph Curry. Like, come on. We have not seen good drafting come out of Minnesota are outside of their Minnesota one pick enough? of Kevin Garnett and Kevin Love. Like, are are, are Minnesota Timberwolves, like, low-key Kangs? Like, are they on the same level? They're worse than the Kings. Wow. I mean, they don't they haven't had the franchise success as the Kings mm-hmm. have. I mean, the Kings I mean, right now are playing really well. So, well, that's but then fair. even even yeah. then, in my lifetime, the yeah. Kings have had more success than the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's true. They went to the fight. They took. They had a 14 year playoff drought. Baby. The Kings didn't have that, and I, the Kings 2002 team yeah. was one of my favorite teams of all time, and they got hosed in the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers by the refs. So Who's again, like they've had more success in my lifetime since 1997 to 2000, uh, whatever 18. They also had Jason Williams. Yep. White chocolate. Yeah. The, this is. Tell me, I'm trying to make a point, so let me <laughs> fucking finish. I haven't given my grade yet. Um, my point is is that I'm not trusting the Minnesota Timberwolves with four you know, first-round picks. That's my point. 
Um, so I th- like the idea of bringing in Rocco and Dario, yeah. guys who are you know have gone through a system, have grown a little bit, and they could still grow more. Yeah. But also, they're guys that can be plugged into a starting lineup. Now, I like that Miami Heat deal mm-hmm. more, but apparently they pulled out Josh Richardson. Yeah. There was a whole deal. We don't know what the full offer was from Miami. Mm-hmm. So I like this deal from Minnesota. That's why I'm going to give it a C plus to a B minus. But the reason it's not an A because I think it has mm-hmm. the potential to be an A is because it should have happened before the season started. Yeah. Timber, I mean, Thibodeau was too set in his ways to get rid of Butler. We all knew it wasn't going to work, and it took him nine games to realize it wasn't going to work. It took Jimmy Butler forcing himself on the bench to well, get this deal done, it's and like, Thibodeau was too hard-headed to get a better deal well, the because way, possibly they could have gotten a first-round pick out of this. Well, but what Thibodeau I look was, at no, it, though, Let me finish. Thibodeau was too hard-headed to get this deal done because he wanted to change Jimmy's mind, but Jimmy's mind was made up, and he was too stupid to realize that. So it's Thibodeau's fault that this mm-hmm. deal wasn't better than it could have been. It's like that guy and that girl where it's like the guy's like, no, no, I can make it work. This can work. And the girl's already checked out. She's just like, you know what? This ain't going to work. I'm going, no, no, no. I can make it work. I can make it work. And Thibodeau was that guy. And Thibodeau proposed. And Jimmy was like, no, nah, I don't even I, think I, I, you're not listening, proposed. Dude. It was just a dating thing of like, I, I can make this work. I can make this work. And then it just didn't work where everyone else is like, Dude, just leave. Just leave. It's not good. We know this is going to end wrong, and it ended wrong. Do you think That's it did enough too. damage? Like, do you think it? Do you think the damage is too much at this point on the Timberwolves team and like the locker room and everything? Like, you, you can't just move him out of town and everything's going to be perfect tomorrow. Like, that's the, he. <laughs> I, I he is messed up. Cat. He has messed up Wiggins. Like, their their team synergy is gone. So. What what are we gonna see out of them? Like as far as their teamwork, like do you think do you think it's as easy as Jimmy Butler's gone and the team's gonna be all fine tomorrow? I think of my mentality, and I know mine is not the same as them, but yeah. I would I would hope that for that locker room for like Cat and Wiggins, it would just be like they sit down in the locker room next to each other and go, "Thank God he's gone," and they just bond over. Like thank God he is out of here because you hated him, I hated him. Now we can work together and we can try to make this team right. I don't think that's going to happen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think this is going to be a bad year for the T-Wolves, and I think what should happen is Thibodeau should be gone, so hey, let's bring in a coach that can fix this. All right, before we get into the Thibodeau thing, because it's going to happen, mm-hmm. um, I think I, I'm in somewhat of agreement with uh, Ricky, but it's not really because of Cat and Wiggins coming together. Mm-hmm. I think that Thibodeau has done a, at least a good enough job to bring veterans around there to keep them focused. Like Derek Rose. Like Derek Rose, who's been a very you know big bright spot uh, for the Timberwolves so far. They still have Luol Deng, and I know we can make mm-hmm. fun of him for that contract they signed. Dude got paid four year four years and seventy two million for a reason. It was a bad mistake, but also this guy knows how to be a professional, yeah. and he can help them be professional. Same with Taj Gibson as well. Uh, did they ever sign Noah? Or no, he's no. still no, Noah's still free. Um, that was just a joke. But I, I <laughs> still think the that, Bulls game got him yeah. standing out. I still think that you know they have enough players where <laughs> you know you, now they're pretty much looking at Cat and Wiggins and saying, "All right, guys, you got kicked around. Now it's time to answer, step up, and we're going to let you do that." Because mm-hmm. I think D Rose will let Cat. And Wiggins do that. We saw Cat just have a fantastic game uh, with Jimmy Butler on the floor. He mm-hmm. popped off for 39-19. Maybe that's a bright sign to come. Maybe Wiggins, who has had up and down games but has had some nice shines and flashes this year, maybe he takes us as a, a, a way of saying, all right, now it's my team. Let's run with this. So I think it is a, a, an ultimately a good thing for the, the Timberwolves. I think obviously we have to see how it fully plays out. But yeah. I think weirdly enough, this could be a great kick in the ass for the Timberwolves, um, not only from uh, ownership, 
leadership uh, in Glenn Taylor's uh, mindset of, hey, maybe we need to reevaluate Tom Thibodeau's position Mm -hmm. uh, with our team. But also, I think it's a great kick in the ass to the locker room because now you have enough veterans to bring these guys together. They're already veteran heavy. No, but I'm thinking— Their best players are young, though, is the problem. But that's what I'm saying, is, is keep those young players focused— Keep them together. You know, obviously they had a crazy nine games and you know a crazy past month. Yeah. The veterans will be able to keep them together, keep them focused on playing basketball, and it will take off some of that pressure. But hopefully, it gives them more of an edge. Is what I'm saying. Do you think that this will truly be Cat and Wiggins's team, or do you think it's still going to be Tom Thibodeau and the Bulls? Because that, in my mind, that locker room is still split, and you have a vet heavy. You have too much of a vet heavy presence. Tom Thibodeau doesn't like young kids, so it's impressive that Josh Okogie is doing as well as he is on that team, which, credit to them, that's the one thing that we, like, he's not there yet, but that's, true. that's the one young, promising guy outside of Good draft Wiggins. Pick. Yeah. Good draft pick. Um, but, like, we haven't seen Kade Bates Diop at all, and he's a guy who was already seasoned. He played a couple of years in college, and we expect him to be a guy who, second-round pick, but could easily step into a, a second unit and make an impact, and we have barely seen him play this season. Do you think that it's just, Thibodeau is too locked in on his guys, his Veterans, I mean, for Christ's sake, Jamal Crawford played fucking like 30 mm-hmm. minutes a game last year for no reason. And that's my fear is we, we want this to be Wiggins and Cat's team. Totally. The, the route is clear for you. There's no excuse now. And I bet you it comes back to being it's Rose's team. It's uh, going to end up being it, it's Rose and Taj are going to be the faces of this team again. Even though like Wiggins and Cat I, had performances, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you the off. The locker room's still there. I just I disagree with you because yeah. although Derrick Rose wasn't playing to the level he was, you know, last year, right? When we did see Jimmy Butler go down, it was Cat and Wiggins teams again during that span of you know February 24th to um, April 5th. Cat mm. and Wiggins did take over that team. I think they went eight and seven in that 15th game stretch, yeah. stretch and I got to recount and everything. Team. Um, but That's what they are. But they still were getting that usage. They were still getting those minutes, right. and they were still being leaned on as the guys. And I think maybe from a leadership role, maybe they're not going to be the leaders That's, because you yeah. have because you have D Rose and Taj Gibson. But I don't think we're going to see Taj Gibson and Derrick Rose getting crazy usage because Jimmy Butler's off the team. The guys on the floor and performance wise will be Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins. They're going to be playing through them. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing that they're not going to be leaders because that's a lot for Carl Anthony Towns to handle right now because I don't think he can handle that position right now. And maybe Wiggins is ready to do so. Maybe that kick in the ass from Butler made him want to become a leader. We'll have to see. But I think leadership wise, it's still going to be on D Rose and Taj Gibson. I think it should be that way. Ricky, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I kind of want to agree with Dave because the thing that was going through my mind, the analogy, it's like, think about that old rock group from like the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, we're going to go on tour again in the 2000s and oh, we got a new drummer over here. Like Cat and Wiggins are, they're the new drummer for this and it's like, it just seems like the Minnesota Timberwolves where Thibodeau doesn't know how to adapt to like Cat and Wiggins. So how do I answer that? I bring in Derrick Rose. I bring in Taj Gibson. I bring in Luau Deng. Guys that I already know how to communicate with and how to deal with rather than looking at a problem saying, what do I need to fix here? And maybe coming at it in a different way that you didn't do in Chicago where it's like, I don't see this team like the bottom. I don't see this team being a team that competes this year. I don't see this as a team that competes next year because Derrick Rose is good. Taj is a good veteran. Like Teague is good. But I just don't see those being the pieces 
to bring the best out of Cat and Wiggins to a level that you want to be, which is hopefully a team that can compete in the West, which is tough as it is. That's fair, but with already what's happened through, mm-hmm. what, nine games for this team, I, I don't think the expectations should be oh, playoffs. It's just, and, and, and let's see a well, better Wiggins and a and, better Cat. And that's the thing is, I just want to see yeah. what this team is, and mm-hmm. then we'll make expectations. Because right now the expectations are, Let's go out and hopefully Wiggins and and Cat can re- return to form. Mm-hmm. And with you know, let's go. I just want to go back to yeah. 2017, 2018. Um, I'll, I'll use March because Jimmy Butler was totally out for that year, and I can only do it by months. Uh, March and October because in October when that team first started. Jimmy wasn't really taking over that team. And it wasn't until they started losing when Jimmy took over that team and started seeing uh, high usage. The two highest months of usage for Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns came in October and uh, March of 2017-2018. 25.9 for Wiggins in October. That's in seven games. And then in March, he had a 24.6 usage. And he put up pretty decent numbers, 42% uh, from the field, 36% from uh, three in October. And that was with a, I don't know, let's see, I can't do uh, whatever. Oh, it's right here. Uh, 19 points uh, per game. And then in March, uh, 30, uh, 43% from uh, the field, 37% from three. And that was at like 18 uh, points per game. And then Cat, he was averaging 24-11 on 25% usage in October. And then in March, he had a rating of 126 offensively and 110 defensively. Uh, and he was averaging 25-12-2 and two on 26% usage. So I think Jimmy being off this team will help these kids. And I think having those veterans will help benefit them. And I know maybe it will be a power structure dynamic, but I think it's actually going to end up being good for them. And yeah. maybe next year will be the time where it's like, all right, we'll get rid of D-Rose because maybe he will be too expensive, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get rid of Tosh Gibson because I, I think he only signed a two-year deal. Yeah. Um, and we'll get rid of Luol Deng because he's only on a one-year deal. And we will make sure you guys are the leaders on this team because you just learned from leaders. You learned from D-Rose. You learned from Luol mm-hmm. Deng. You learned from uh, Tosh Gibson. You learned from guys who have been there before and have led teams to playoffs. Now it's your time. I don't think the—I think you're right, though, Ricky. I don't think this, this team right now is anywhere near a playoff team because there's no semblance of a team— how is this team going to work even on the floor? That's that's why I'm going heavy into the, like, we're going to see this team lose another piece throughout the, the season. Like, I think that if Derrick Rose's incredible play continues, that we look to see him get moved. I mm-hmm. think that a team like the Suns would love to have a point guard, mm-hmm. and I think that either he or Teague, I mean, like, the thing is, it's a toss-up. If you If you believe this team is going to win in the next two years, like, you can go one route or the other. I'm on the other half. I'm going... I move the pieces that are valuable. I give young guys playing time, and I want to see this core develop because, like you said, while Cat and Wiggins can play well without Jimmy Butler there, they're not going to win fucking games. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that kills me. It's like, yes, they're going to develop their game, but they're not going to win. They're a 500 team at best without Jimmy Butler, so why are you forcing time onto guys who are in their 30s who are not going to be there for these kids' prime? Get the young guys in there. Your two stars are 23 and 23, let them play with guys their age and grow. Here And here goes to what Ricky wants to keep bringing up, and I think it's something we should have probably hit on a little bit earlier, is the Tom Thibodeau question. Tom Thibodeau, putting young guys in the starting spotlight, getting rid of his older players, not going for it, seems out of his philosophy, seems yeah. out of his ability as a coach. That doesn't seem like what he's made for. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, should he be fired? And if you think he should be fired this year, when do you think that move should happen? Is it after the season? Is it mid-season? Should he be given a couple games? Should he be fired now? 
What are your thoughts on Tom Thibodeau's coaching future in Minnesota? And if he does get fired, when do you think that's going to happen? Ricky, I'll go to you first because you brought it up first. Give it a while. And when I say a while, give it like maybe at the most the trade deadline or all-star break. So like February. And the reason why I say that is if you do it now, it looks bad. It A, looks bad. It's a reaction or it's a reactionary to the Jimmy Butler trade. But I think what should happen around all-star break, hey, Tom, it ain't working out. You cut them. Get the interim in, and then at that point, you know, like, all these coaching candidates that are looking for jobs, you then have a second half of the season for people to gain interest in that job because you are saying it's open for business. The question I have for you, though, Mm -hmm. is although it does look bad, Mm -hmm. um, it's still based off performance, and if you're not happy with his performance— then I don't think it's you know uh, it, it's an it's a fireable offense to mm-hmm. fire him because he's you know he held on to your star player lowered his tank you know his value right, yeah. and also you're not meshing with the young player so I don't think it's too yeah. crazy to fire him now if you hold on to him till February are you looking for something to change like why are you holding um, on to him for February outside of like PR reasons or bad look reasons well I mean a little bit of it is PR but a a little bit of it too might be all right okay Jimmy like. Right now, what was the problem? Is Thibodeau the problem? Was Jimmy the problem? Is Carl Anthony Townsend Wiggins the problem? You don't know if Tom's the problem for sure. We all think he is the problem. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, Jimmy's gone. What can Tom do with what we have right now? See that for a little bit. And then if your answer, okay, becomes answered, then you can go ahead and say, okay, he can be fired. We can now move along. It has been the answer has been decided now that Jimmy is not there. Now we can move on from Tom Thibodeau, have the interim come in, and then have a new guy come in after the season. Dave, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm closer to pulling the trigger on firing Tom than I think Ricky is. I, I would prefer it happens much no. sooner. I think that you have to set the standard, and it bugs me because the move. Basically, in my mind, I read into that move. Sorry, you're like going like full cocoon mode. Over there. hoodie, Sean. Um, the move says we're getting two guys who are ones in their prime, ones you know still a year out. Maybe we'll see, but he's underperforming. And it's like instead of going that draft heavy class, I see you know they're trying to do something in the next year or two. Really concerns me is that means Tom could stay. In my mind, I think you move Tom, you move away from Tom, mm-hmm. you move guys who are of high value, who are you know not the long term picture, and that's, I would say Tom, probably Tom should go either within the next you know month of this or by the last possible chance is that that trade deadline because I don't want him anywhere near us and managing the front office if what he's done going up to that trade that's the problem is if you go into the trade deadline with Tom Thibodeau you're not going to get value for anything and you may not make a move I that's mm-hmm. my concern is I don't want to be at that situation as a Timberwolves well, fan and here's another thing to go into it as well as if you fire Thibodeau does it ma- a does it matter and b who's going to be your interim is what do you mean be, by it doesn't matter like does it matter who the interim is do you just hate any assistant pick them doesn't matter who it is as long as it's Typically not Tom Typically in those moves, it's somebody that you think will be the future head coach or it's just somebody but with with like the most experience, experience on that yeah. bench. So if I'm looking at it, you've got Ryan Saunders, who was an assistant with the Wizards from 09 to 14, then 14 to now with the T-Wolves. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe mm-hmm. that's Flip's son. Yes. 
I believe so. I believe okay. you're right. So obviously that. he has that connection yeah. to Minnesota. So you've got then Andy Andy Greer, who has a long coach. Yeah, like he's been a coach in college in the NBA since '83. Um, he was with the Bulls with Thibodeau from. 10 to 15. He was with the Raptors for two years before coming on in 2016. You got Ed Pick Pickney, I believe Pickney. is how you say it. Correct. College co he was with Thibodeau with the Bulls. And then you also have Rick Brunson, who with Thibodeau 2010, 2012, then the Bobcats, and now the T Wolves. I look at these and I go, if you fire Thibodeau, it looks like based off of experience, it's either going to be Andy Greer or um, Ed Pickney, and really I look at all these coaches and I go, Saunders is still young. I'm not sold on either Greer or Pickney being in, in – it's like which interim do you think is going to get the most out of Cat and Wiggins and not going to stunt well, their growth? I don't know if I'm invested in any of these even as an interim. That's why it's like give me two months – and then it's less time with the interim with these two players. And this is my idea of what's going to happen. I think by the start of 2019, let's say mm-hmm. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, whatever you want to say, Thibs is not fired as a coach, but he's relieved as his duties for basketball, basketball operations. 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 Scott yeah. Layden takes over, and he is working under the direction of Glenn Taylor of, hey, move the valuable guys out. So like what and happened with Doc Rivers? Yes, but Doc Rivers, it was, um, it was mutual. Yeah, Doc, Doc Rivers gave up that. Position. No, but like he, he's no longer exactly. that. And he is now but just yes, the head coach. But, but this is not going to be. Yeah. Mutual. Yeah. They are going to. They're re- going to take. They're, it. You're going to relieve Tom Thibodeau of, of his duties, and this way, when they start selling off those valuable pieces, they start possibly selling off a Derrick Rose, a, a Jeff Teague, if you can even call them valuable. Um, then you're forcing Thibs to just coach. And you're forcing him into a situation he does not want to. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the season, we are not firing Tom Thibodeau. We are mutually agreeing to split ways with Tom Thibodeau. So you're just going so to make you life hell to... for him. So What's he that? leaves on his own. Exactly. That way you don't have to at least you know move away from him. You don't have to fire him per se. Mm-hmm. And you can just agree to separate mutually because this is not going to work out for the either, of us, uh, either of us. And one thing, too, as well, is if you hire one of these coaches, mm-hmm. typically as an interim Typically, they are not brought back. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing, at least with Ryan Saunders, you don't want to do that. You don't want to make him the interim coach and let him walk or force him to leave as yeah. well because he's been a guy that you know obviously has that connection to Flip, and mm-hmm. Flip is a guy that's massive in Minnesota well, and, and huge to their their history as well. And you know possibly they will keep him on for some reason. But also, he's a young kid. Mm-hmm. He's the former son of a coach in the NBA. He might have potential as a future head coach. You just need to give him time. He's only 32 years old. So. Also, I feel if you do go with the interim— He's the guy that you would go with because the other three coaches have all had connections to Thibodeau in Chicago. And you would, if you're firing Thibodeau, you want to move on yeah, from Thibodeau. You way, don't want to get an interim that, yeah, he was with Thibodeau in Chicago. He was in mm-hmm. Thibodeau with Chicago. Like, well, you don't want that. Saunders is a guy that, you know, mm-hmm. obviously he was with Wiggins before yeah. Wiggins was, mm-hmm. um, you know, before Wiggins was working with uh, fucking. <laughs> He worked with Cat and Wiggins before uh-huh. Thibodeau did, is my point. Yeah. He was there when they were rookies. Right. Um, so, obviously, he has that connection. I just think what's going to happen is he's going to relieve his, his basketball president of uh, operations. They're going to make the moves that they feel necessary and work for the franchise. Yeah. And then it's going to be a clean split, um, so, so you say, between uh, Tom Thibodeau and uh, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. But what I want to get to now, and this is probably the final talk, is what is the core of Minnesota looking like? Um, after this season, who's going to be left on this team? 
what is going to be this team's future and possible expectations as well. So I'll go to Dave uh, first. Who do you think is like for sure on this team going to stick around? Um, are there untouchables on this team? Um, do you think that there's, you know, everyone's going to be up for trade offers? Like Cat Wiggins going to be on the table. Even Dario and Rocco still going to be on the table, even though you just acquired them. What do you think is at least going to be, you know, some faces that you will see in Minnesota next year? I think you're still going to end up seeing Cat Wiggins, Akogi, and Rocco. I think those four would probably be the best version of a starting lineup with Derrick Rose or Teague in there. Like, that gives them the best chance to win a game. I think Dario off the bench is a dangerous weapon, but I don't know if he has value there because, again, his value is very much in the air when he plays up to his expectation. Like, he was the best player in the playoffs for them last year. It was awesome. My expectations went sky high. This year, he's obviously looks a little sluggish. Like Jake had mentioned, you know, maybe it's a thing because he played... A lot of Euro League, and he's just a little tired. He needs to get a shot, and his legs back under him. But I think that I think that that they have their core. I think that's what their core is. They don't have a point guard who's going to be there when these guys are playing, and that's a little worrisome because like because you trade him away to Chicago. I mean, yeah. so Derek Rose is basically he's he's done after this year unless you pay him. Mm-hmm. Like he's on a one year deal, and Teague's going to take a player option for nineteen million dollars because I can't see anyone paying Jeff Teague more than nineteen million dollars for a long term deal. So like. I think they need to go figure out, like, if they can move that, if they can move those guys, I don't think anybody's going to want Teague, but, like, Rose's contract's valuable. He's playing amazingly. So if you're not going to re-sign him for a long term, and I don't think he lines up with their window, so I wouldn't, I think you got to move him, get value, because what they've got is five players right now who could potentially fit. And I like it because Randall, Julius Randall, is basically the version of Dario on this team. We'd be able to see um, Robert Carvington swing over to the four, well, he's known for being a 3 and D3. He has the size to play against fours. He can body them on the perimeter. He might get a little outweighed down low, but, like, you can get help down there. Like, it's okay. So I, I like the lineup of going with a Nakogi, Wiggins, Rocco, Cat, and then having Dario be your six-man off the bench a la Randall. I think that's how you—I think that's the core. I think that can do well. You just don't have a point guard who matches the timeline, mm-hmm. and they need to address that. Yeah. For me, I, the one thing I want to add before I answer it is the thing also with the Thibodeau thing in my answer is you give him that two months to see, all right, you don't have Jimmy. Are you going to use guys to force them to give maybe um, Kata Bates Diop some more minutes, some Josh Akogi, well, um, and get him in rotations? Diop as well. Mm-hmm. I know he's still he's on young. the roster. No, it's more of we still have to look back on. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a guy that was in all of our mock drafts in round one. Yep. Yeah. He fell all the way to, I think, like pick 44. Mm-hmm. So not only were I think there was you know issues with his personality, but also we might not sure if he's 100% healthy. And that mm-hmm. might be one reason why he's not playing. So I'm not going to put fully that on Tibbs. That, well, no, I mean, like, if he, is not playing. if he is healthy. Might, I mean, he got dumped down to the G League. We all, yeah. we all so know, hours ago. like, we all know, like, Thibodeau. I just look at it. We all know Thibodeau and rookies. Thibodeau don't like playing rookies, and is that going to change? But to answer the question, I look at Cat, Wiggins, Dario, Rocco, Akogi, and then Kata Bates is kind of on the outside. But those main five, those are the guys that I look at of, all right, they are staying for next year. Everyone else is open. Everyone else is either open for trades, moving around, and how do I build around these five, the two that I brought in from Philly, the two that I have there in Cat and Wiggins, and Akogi, who I drafted in the first round last year? I feel like whatever, you know, since we're doing this, we just keep whittling down from person. So mm-hmm. Dave's like, oh, you keep these people. And then you're like, oh, no, we'll shrink it a little bit. Do you want to? I think there's two people that you can really keep. 
No, not oh. even. It's Kat Nakogi. No, okay. I mean, this is. A, I mean, I, I, so? I mean, Wiggins if, if hasn't listen, proved. Who's much gonna want Wiggins' contract? Well, here, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm okay. just saying, uh, if you can move it, yeah. you should move. Okay. It. If you have the ability to move it, even if you're getting garbage value, even if it's only like a second round draft mm-hmm. pick, no. I, I think there should be a, a, at least if it's flo- I mean, not maybe just a second, but <laughs> if, if it's floated out there. You don't need that contract underneath right. you, and I think the player that you're going to go after is the guy who's younger and the guy who's you know shown himself to be a top five player at his position at his best in Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. Wiggins at his best is not a top five forward. Like that, I think we can all agree on that. He's no. not a top five three or a top five two no. at his best. Um, and you know, Cat at his best is a top five player at his position. Correct. Whether that's power forward, whether that's center. He has an, an, yep. an, 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 a, just a weird knack to score the ball no matter where he, he is, is on the floor. He's extremely gifted on the offensive end. And Akogi is a guy that I thought was a massive sleeper last year. I love tooting my horn on this podcast. We loved him last year. I thought he was going to be a stud. He has been a stud so far. I think you got to keep him. He's a guy that's a first-rounder. He's going to be under contract for a very long time. You have control over him. There's no reason to get rid of a kid like that. Yeah, Wiggins. He's on his big boy contract. He hasn't been proving it. If there's a deal out there that's going to get that contract off your books, I think you should do it. Because Cat's going to be locked up. Cat already signed his extension. You got to keep him around. You got to keep uh, a Kogi around. But other than that, I don't see an argument for everybody else. Because Bates Diop, I mean, it, I, I, in my opinion, he can stay or he can go. I don't think he's going to be the franchise mm-hmm. changer. Robert Covington, yes, he's a guy that is on a great contract, four years, $47 million. But not only is that great for your team, that's great for other teams, like playoff teams. Yeah. And if you can get rid of that and get valuable assets like a first, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, if you're going to get a, a lotto-protected first-round pick for Robert Covington Jr., or I think it's Jr., fuck him. Well, he's fucking Jr. now. Um, <laughs> if, you can get, if you can get, I think he's a third. Um, if you can get a, a, a pick, though, for Rocco, you should go and do that. If you can get a pick for Dario, you should go and do that. Because I don't think those are going to be guys on your team that are going to be winning you a championship. So the only two guys that I would say are untouchable, and I think it's going to make it easier to deal with your team, would be Carl Anthony Towns and would be Josh Okoge. Because in my opinion, I wouldn't trade those guys. I think everybody else is mm-hmm. cool, though. Do you think Tyus Jones ever gets a fair chance to run the one with this team? Like He's a guy who's always like, who's the advanced metrics kid that all the like NBA hipsters were like, oh yeah, he he should run it, really. Mm-hmm. Like Our team plays better with Jeff Teague off the floor. And like there's always like in short minutes, he's looked okay. He's looked at times good, at times bad. But everybody like... It's always that guy who everybody just, you love the second guy. It's mm-hmm. like the backup quarterback in the NFL. You always he's always better. It doesn't unless matter. It's Nathan Peter, man. Yeah, unless it's Nathan Peterman. Well, <laughs> until you see what he can do, he's yeah, always better. Exactly. I mean, that, he was and the I guy wonder, that they, they signed AJ McCarron and they're like, "It's well, Peterman, kid. We gotta get rid of AJ McCarron." He is blowing like, AJ oh, McCarron out the water. Here, here's something <laughs> I want to throw out here, and really, it brings me back. This is the last thing I'll bring Remember up. Ryan Mallett? That kid was yeah. fucking dandy before he was like caught with like four DUIs. Mm-hmm. It was horrible <laughs> football. But let, let's throw this out. And I think back to something Bill Self said where um, I can't remember what I was watching CBS or something. They were like, oh, well, when we talked to Bill Self 2013-2014 season, yeah. everyone wanted to go over and look at Wiggins. Wiggins, Wiggins, Wiggins. And he's like, I was talking to Self and Self said no. That's the guy right there. And it's just Embiid taking shots. And he goes, no, that's the guy that's going to be the next player from this team to do something in the NBA. What would have happened? I'm going back in the way back machine. We already did this because Cat and Carlton no, no, no. Towns. I just want to uh, ask Embiid this question. Embiid and Carlton Towns. If I just want to ask this question. Okay. What would it be like if the Cavs took Joe instead of Wiggins? 
Oh, the Cavs? Because the, the Cavs. Because no, the Cavs. No, because no, that's what we said. Is we we, we yeah. talked about that already. Because then Joe would have gone to Cleveland, and it would have been Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid on the same team. Because well, they, they would have traded, traded still for one hundred percent. Love, yeah. Because they still valued him the same way, and mm-hmm. Joel Embiid wasn't was going to play. Yeah. So I mean. I think Minnesota was going to take anything for that, and they would have had Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns. I think this was on a podcast like a month ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was I fairly mean, recently that we talked about this, and I was like, "Holy shit, could you imagine?" And then I DM Jake, and he was like, "Holy shit, that'd be crazy." Well, yeah. here's the thing. I mean, I know the whole Joe because they went because then they would have been stuck with like back. Jabari Parker. I think. Well, the Sixers. That's the that's the thing. Do you? Yeah, that's a different change is since they would have Joe, they would make that trade. Would they then say, we're not going to go with Cat. We're going to go with D'Angelo Russell at two. And would it mm-hmm. change and ripple nah, they still that way? Cat. Cat was still the best player. Well, and Cat was healthy. Yeah. So there wasn't a guarantee I mean, that Cat was – there wasn't a guarantee that Joe was healthy. And also, Carl Towns was still the best player. Cat was, yeah. Cat was the best player going into that draft. Yep. Phil Jackson showed us who the best player right now is I mean, probably from the top few picks. I don't know. Still take Cat. KP is not healthy. No, Back to the shit that actually matters mm-hmm. in this healthy, discussion now. Yeah, healthy, though, I'll still take Cat over KP. Uh, I, I kind of want to go back to this trade and knock it down a notch because they still have Gorgie Dang's contract in there. <laughs> yeah, but they and weren't like, going to get rid of him. Like, like, like contract-wise, they were not going to be able to push him out to Philadelphia because he's got too many years on it. It's just, it's a really bad deal, and they're still, like, I just look at that. I went, I went to spot rack, and I was like, how many? Oh, God, that many. <laughs> they're paying him too much money. Like, I'm sorry. Between the 27, 9, 31, 33 for Wiggins, and then you've got uh, Gargi sitting at 16, 17 for the next two years. It's like, oh, no. Please, please God, shoot me. Like, they, they need to move either go one way or the other. Either eat, bad con- eat more bad contracts or move the bad contracts. Well, that's what I think. Like, like you got to do something. You, you can't sit with this team as is. I think that's my problem. That's why if a Tyus I, I Jones want... is intriguing, it's like, hey, Phil, uh, you know, Phoenix, if you want Tyus Jones, if you want a kid who needs a change of scenery, just take on Gorgie Jiang. I don't know if they will be able to do that. Cap- oh, easily. Cap-wise. Easily. Um, well, it's no, because they, they took on Ryan Anderson. And it's like still, they just bought out Tyson Chandler. Like I don't know if salary cap wise. Well, it's or Phoenix like, still. Numbers will make sense. I'm just saying. <laughs> like I, yeah, I, I, I think that's what the, the yeah, deal yeah. is going to be. If you can take some of these guys with potential, that's why no one's off limits outside of cap. Do you think a team like the Spurs takes a runner at Derrick Rose? If if they're you know if we're looking at like January and they're still in the playoff running, I think a lot of I think honestly that might be their most valuable asset right now. I mean outside of maybe Wiggins, if 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 a team has enough contract, if if a team has enough cap room, and we're just basing them strictly off talent. And potential, then I feel like Wiggins, Brooklyn Wiggins like two years most, ago would have been happy to pick up Wiggins, but <laughs> yeah, like Wiggins is their most valuable. But I think D Rose, if he continues to perform at this I level, mean, he's shooting it's not incredibly. Yeah, it's but yeah. it's not it's not for sure certain that he's going to do this. Yeah. Um. But if he does com- continue to p- look at this, I 100 think that playoff teams are going to start looking at him. They have no reason not to. Yeah. He's, at, he's worth 2.3 million dollars. And you add, how is he going to hurt you? And him on that uh the Spurs team, we even rumored that during the offseason when, yeah. when he hadn't signed officially. But yeah, I don't know. I just think that that's. They're they're in contract hell. I, I I couldn't believe how much money they've spent. Yeah. So that is the that's the gist of uh, the Minnesota deal. Um, we talked about the future, the future core, Tom Thibodeau's future, how the deal works for them right now. Um, I don't think any Minnesota Timberwolves fan really expects them to make the playoffs, even with Jimmy Butler. We didn't mock them to be in the playoffs, even mm-hmm. with Butler, because um, obviously the uncertainty and I don't think the talent's there. Robert Covington, Dario Saric, and a twenty twenty two second round pick for Zach Levine, Lowry Markinen. And the real KD. That's got to hurt. Yeah. That's got to hurt a lot. Well, and that's, again, why I don't really trust Minnesota with four. And, I'm sorry, four and an eighth round, round. And an eighth 
uh, spot in the Western Conference in a first round elimination. Well, mm-hmm. then also you have Could to throw I, in just, Justin Patton was on that deal as well. So, but was, he was part of the deal. He well, was no, moved no, twice, but, but straight over. So, no, but I was just saying. Like, oh. Yeah, because so that was the 16th be, pick, and then he went straight over to Philly. So it's a yeah. straight up. That's how trade straight up. So it, he just cancels himself out. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the Minnesota's not gaining anything. Yeah. All right. But even going back to that Butler deal, I'm saying like that was just a bad deal. And now it looks even worse. Yeah. Well, even but even <laughs> then, if we were judging it off of last year before Levine even stepped mm-hmm. on the floor, I think we were saying Minnesota won it. I mean, at this so point, I'll say thank anything you to Minnesota. Change. We don't know what's going to happen. What's mm. it, I said, I'll say thank you to Minnesota. I mean, I I, I like the Bulls team. That I get. We're not going to win a championship. After we like, signed the four-year, like $80 million right contract, were you thanking Minnesota? No, no. But right okay. now, at this Somehow point, after like, I've seen them the on the Kings court, are looking like, like fucking it. geniuses across the board right now. <laughs> Could you imagine them with Levine? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Or Papa Giannis. Papa Giannis. They already they had, had him. Yeah. They no, cut I know. His ass they cut him. That's what I'm saying. They should have kept him. No. No. <laughs> no. They already have Just, enough centers. No. <laughs> Anyways, let us know your thoughts on the uh, Minnesota side of this Jimmy Butler trade. I think it was uh, obviously done too late because I was demanding Tibbs to be fired even before he even made the trade. So uh, I was probably even demanding him to be fired even before the yeah. trade request was even made. <laughs> um, but let us know your thoughts. Uh, do you think Minnesota screwed up? Do you think they actually have a, a good deal in place? Because obviously now they have Rocco and Dario, guys that could be even traded uh, a little bit later on. Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. But let's move into personally my favorite segment each and every week. We got wet boys. We're talking about the dampest dudes, the soggiest of shooters. You guys both yawn <laughs> simultaneously. We are pumped up for wet night. boys. It's a long uh, night, Sean. Well, let's, let's move through it. I think it's been a 20-minute segment uh, each and every week. We've had two yeah. long segments, uh, so we'll keep it going. So uh, this is the t- uh, time we talk about the guys who had uh, great, fantastic weeks, either had record-setting performances, either had you know career highs like uh, Derek Rose did last week, uh, or also De'Aaron Fox, who had uh, the youngest triple double, or one of the, uh, the not the youngest. Uh, that's Mark. It was a thirty point. Sorry, thirty point triple double. Yeah. Uh, he was the only player under twenty, along with LeBron James, to do that. Yep. Um, so you know, if they do something like that, if they just have a fantastic week, we're pretty much talking about the best players from the week. Um, and we'll go to Ricky Widmer to start us off. Ricky, mine feels a little give you more counter this time for this one. Well, Ricky. it feels weird to say this because I did not expect his first ever first career wet boy. Mm-hmm. To be for me. Big moment. But Luka Doncic, being a first-time wet boy for Luka, congratulations. Did not expect it to come from myself. But, I mean, when you put up 24-7-3, and you're looking like you do on the court. You're kind of proving me wrong a little bit. Where, uh, I don't know, DeAndre Ayton's doing pretty well, pretty good as well. But got to give Luka the respect this week. And I will gladly give you the first wet boy over the two that actually liked you in the draft. Isn't he too slow to play in the NBA? <laughs> I just was thinking now that we've seen him in the NBA, it's like, different. I'm at like 7-Eleven. I'm just going to say, you know, I did have him as Rookie of the Year in our award predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, it is funny, too, looking at award predictions. Some yeah. of us are, like, dead on, and then the other ones are just horrible. Like, Anthony Davis would be MVP if he was healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Simmons, probably not going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Luka, spot on, going to be Rookie of the Year. I also picked Brad Stevens to be Coach of the Year. That ain't happening. Brandon nope. Inger to win Most Improved Player. That, that ain't, ain't happening. happening. You pick Markel Fultz to be Most Improved Player. That for sure ain't fucking hey, happening. There's there's 70 more games to go. Uh, also, like Eric Gordon for six man. That's probably not going to happen. But with, we'll see, we'll you know, see. Ricky, Ricky, Zach Levine, most approved player, probably. Uh, Ray John Rondo for six man, probably not. Uh, LeBron James for MVP, probably not. So, I mean, we, we were not on, and it's been nine games. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of season in front of us. And that's, plus, that's the good news. LeBron can turn it on at any point. Yeah, yeah he's, just, he's just waiting to try. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, 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 that's the story. You want to see him when his patience runs out, You the funny Dave. thing, though, yeah. is 
out of you know NBA MVP, former NBA mm-hmm. MVPs, this guy is currently leading Wet Boys right now, and I am absolutely shocked. Dave, who is your two-time Wet Boy this year? It's Derrick Rose. It's <laughs> SD Rose. He turned him back the clock yet again. Uh, it just look. I get it. The Timberwolves team sucks, and they've lost three straight games. And I'm still giving it to Derrick Rose because he was he was a positive on the court in two of those three games. Like it was not even close how good he is performing. Right? It's just. It's he had seven threes in a game. He, he is shooting 61% from three. <laughs> Who is was, this Derek Rose? And that was a 7-11 game, too. What yeah. have you done with him? Uh, no, 24-5-4. Like, it is fantastic. He is amazing. It's like he took what happened during the playoffs last season when he was like, people were like, oh, shit, Derek Rose can actually play again. And yeah. I was like, I told you so. I told you he was going to be good. You just mm-hmm. need to give him his playing time, give him his minutes, give him his reps. And now, like, he's playing his way out of six man of the year because he's got to start too many games. He's I'm, too good. I'm happy for him too. Like, I, love I, it. I know I was shit. You know, I was shit not on with, uh, when we did our six man segment. But I, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm happy. I like. I think I even said this in it. I hope he does well. Yeah. And he has been doing well. And people is it weird that he's just in his prime? Him. Yeah, like, he's 29. Yeah, it's, so it's he's crazy. gonna be 30. Or yeah. is he 30? He wanted to. He's 29, 30. I mean, it, it's still crazy that he's still yeah. in his prime and, and you know could still you know have an, a, a most improved or comeback player of the year. Uh, Absolutely. Award. Um, so it'd be awesome to see. He's 30. There we go. Okay. Uh, and let's move to my wet boy. Jake will be happy. Guy who dropped 41 points. Mm. Joel Embiid, the process himself. 29 points per game in the past week. 15 boards, 3 blocks a game. 53% shooting from the field and 82 from the line. Joe has been absolutely efficient. He's been a monster. And he's got a new teammate to go along with it. Joel Embiid, shout out. His first wet boy uh, of the year. And it's crazy also uh, looking at this uh, that I believe the leader in the uh, the clubhouse right now, I think it's Steph. Steph has two. And I think uh, the other leader tied well, with him is going to be Derrick Rose. Steph, tech, so how we did technically, it? Technically. It should be the Warriors. Yeah, it no, it says Warriors, but that means that. Every member of the Warriors gets one. Gets no. added one to it yeah that's not true because mm. what we did last year it was the Suns. yeah tj warren didn't get a wet boy yeah no he got tj would done have his name's not on the like tj's name wasn't on the list but he's a part of the sun so he's got one where steph has a personal Mm-mm. and because he's on the warriors one and one makes two Mm-mm. yeah I, I disagree with that i disagree well, you see last year you were that. trying to argue for the Suns, and ricky didn't like that mm-hmm. this year we're arguing for the Warriors, and ricky's a fan of that see my thing is, no, he's, I'm he's even, the one I'm even, so. No, I'm even saying. No, yeah, sun, I'm no. saying like last year, the Suns. Okay, they're then, on there. Then add the Suns to the wet boy counter 2017-2018. Okay, you didn't do it. but uh, also I think like Devin Booker had <laughs> like animosity. Devin here. Booker, I'm like, had, I just said the Suns De- got the wet boy, so TJ but, would have. But one. here's the thing: then we'd have to go and back, go back and uh, you know re redem uh, Devin Booker then, because Devin Booker would have been uh, in the top three. Tied with James Harden, Joel Embiid, with three three right. boys because he was on the Suns. If you're not the if you're not the leader in the clubhouse, it don't matter unless you're LeBron my, James no, last year. My my thing is, I don't think it should count for Devin Booker. It should count for the Phoenix Suns. And the, for but the, he's for a part war- of the Phoenix Suns. Doesn't matter. He is the Phoenix Suns got a wet boy. The Warriors didn't get a wet boy. I'm oh, sorry, the Warriors so, got a wet boy. Steph- so Devin Booker has two of his own and one for a team. Yes, basic math: two and one make. Hand, hand. No, two, no, but two, I'm one. saying I'm saying that they're separate awards. Yeah. Two okay. and one make. De- no, I, I no, I, I'm not <laughs> arguing math, dipshit. I'm saying that it shouldn't count. Team award is different than a personal award, 
And yes, I know obviously he's on the team, so if he wins a ring, Devin mm-hmm. Booker gets a ring too. Mm. I'm saying Wet Boys is different. It's a different realm. We didn't count it last year. We got to follow the rules. All right? I mean, so- I got voted. I mean, technically, I got voted out last year that the Suns got a Wet Boy 2v1. Okay, but now you're now you're back in it. And you also got yeah, voted Yeah, and out. I said this way. Dave agreed. Unless All Dave's right. flip-flopping on me here. Should Devin Booker have three <laughs> Wet Boys because the Suns got a Wet Boy? Or should you know Steph Curry just have a Steph Curry Wet Boy and the Warriors should be a Warrior? Everyone on the Warriors gets a I wet boy. With you. I, I, Steph I Curry does not with you. get um, penalized because everyone on that team played amazingly. I don't think a Phoenix Sun got another one either, so uh, it's unfortunate well, that we can't add another one. It doesn't matter because the Phoenix Suns don't matter. Wow. Sorry, Z. Christ. <laughs> the hell. What was that I for? I mean, <laughs> win some games and we'll talk. They matter. <laughs> All NBA teams matter. All takes matter. Come on. <laughs> Jesus. Including my take that they don't matter. <laughs> you're you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm fucking with you. Uh, so, all right. So, wait. I love so, them. Steph I love has. Talent. They just can't win games. So, then you have to change the weapon. No point card. No, it, it stays the warrior, but just at the end, all warriors get, get one a plus extra. one. It's a plus one warrior. Yes. No, that's confusing. You just got to no, add it. Not. You got to add it as two then. No, you no, has, that's because we'll never remember at the end of the year to give Kevin Durant his plus white boy, mm-hmm. Draymond Green his plus white boy, yeah. give Boogie his plus white boy. So, then put plus one. Just so we remember, so we don't say well, Steph Curry won. No, I've got the the Warriors. Well, there. just we'll just like highlight him. No, in no. Gold but or what I'm saying is, is like plus one. Is, is, is just put, like put now put Steph in gold as well. So we like That's we fine. know every warrior is in gold. Right, there we go. Just so we remember, because yeah. then we don't want to say Steph Curry won because then he has two. Yeah, exactly. And Bogey gets credit for this because he was on the bench that oh, game. Jesus Christ! All right, whatever. Those are I'm looking out for week. you. Luka Doncic, uh, not Steph Curry. Uh, Derek, Derek Rose, Rose and Joel Embiid are your wet boys. And let's go over to fantasy. How uh, we doing? We're still the same. Oh, uh, tell everyone the mistake you made. No. Yeah, um, I, I want I want it on record that this is the second I, time it's happened. This is the second time it's happened. Uh, all right, so uh, today on uh, this is Year of Our Lord, uh, 2018, November owner. 10th, uh, Malcolm Brogdon played 37 minutes, went 8 of 16 from the field, shooting 50%, uh, went 6 of 6 from the line, 1 of 6 from 3, so I saved our 3-point percentage, uh, <laughs> 4 boards, 3 assists, and 23 points, uh, and he's on our bench, uh, along with Danny Green, who had 9 points, 3 steals, and 3 made 3s. Uh, and they were both on our bench because I uh, did not have time to uh, make the lineup. Yeah, and then free and throws. Now, them free throws would have helped us out. And a, now a our line. And now our lineup has been adjusted, and and it's fine, and it's good and dandy, and we are still in sixth place. And I don't think it would have changed if we had Malcolm Brogdon. I'm lineup. looking at it right now. We're in seventh. Uh, yeah. Well, it's <laughs> it's changed a little bit. PJ Baker yeah. still won. I think Jake just jumped us. I'm not sure who jumped us. Yeah, Mike's uh, still number one. Yeah, yeah, Mike is still. He ain't gonna change. He's dominating. Uh, but any guy, any pickups you guys have been like? Because I have one that I like, but I don't know uh, who who to drop. It's Pascal Siakam. The damn, the damn dude der- deserves respect. Absolutely, this great. guy's been balling out. This guy's been a goddamn monster, Pascal Siakam. I think it's going to continue. To be honest, I don't uh, think it's like a fluke. Yeah, owned at thirty two point seven percent of the league. Uh, his ad rate is crazy. Twenty one percent of leagues are adding him. Uh, just put up thirty two. Three and two had twenty one yeah. three one and two had sixteen seven two and one had sixteen thirteen and three. He's hitting threes. He hit three threes against New York last night. Uh, actually, today he did. Uh, Pascal Siakam is a is a goddamn monster. I think we should add him. Do we move? Who do we move on from then? Well, That's the question I have. Here's is it the- Zach. No, is Zach. Zach Zach's gone? been good. Zach's been good. Zach is uh, Zach is the only guy getting blocks on our team, so we really can't move on from him. Mm, I mean, we could just tank that category entirely. 
and just play for mm. the other categories. I, I, like I it's a strategy because you have to win X categories to be like top mm-hmm. team. So. Uh, I think the guy that we should probably look. I know he's been great. I know he's been great. But maybe we look at like uh, 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 Bielitsa. Ooh. Because do we believe he's going to keep it up? Like he's been pr- producing now. I think Siakam's more likely to keep it up than a, than a Bielitsa. You know, the thing that I here's the other thing I think about. Do we think about making a trade? So, like, someone that's like a Gary Harris is one that I look at where it's like maybe one of these guys in our starting lineups, do we look to move somebody to open up a spot? Like, trade somebody. Like, uh... like, even a, and I'm just going to throw it out there, an Andre Drummond. Yes, he gives us rebounds, but he hurts us in free throws. Can we make a trade with someone to bring in two players, wave one of them, and pick up uh Pascal. Pascal. So, so you want to trade two players? Trade Drummond for two players? No, we would, we can't do that. You can. We, we would need to drop somebody. Yeah. Then it would it'd be the other way around. It'd be like so Drummond our roster's full. Plus, my, so we would need to acquire and drop. Yeah. All right. Then let's just put it this way: Do we think about moving people by trade, not necessarily well, then, by free agency? There. If you are watching and you are interested in anybody, serious untouchables are uh, boogie. I, no, I'm going to say none. Whoa. I'm going to say none because I'm, I'm fine with trading Russ as well. Okay. For, I think, the, for the right deal. Yeah, okay. of like, course. Of right. course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. We're not right, we'll advertise them. If you're going to give me stuff, I'll move I'll these guys. Gladly yeah. give you Russ for Just move these guys. But if you if, you know, if you want, you know, Trey Young, and just uh, come call, come, come call him. You mm-hmm. know, if you if you want some boards, 16.1 per game to be exact, uh, come knocking on uh, Andre Drummond. You want to get Russ? You want to get former MVP? Come knocking on our door. I do want to see I feel door. like we should make a move. We'll be waiting for you. Who do you drop today, though, for him? Is it Bielitsia? Ricky? What? Do we, do oh, I have no idea. So here. That so is Biel- not. Bielitsa I... is averaging 13.2 per, points per game, uh, 1.4 steals, 0.9 blocks, um, 2.7 assists, 5.6 rebounds. Those sound like numbers. Um, Siakam <laughs> is averaging 12.5 points, so a uh, little less points, but not too much. Uh, he's averaging less blocks by 0.5. He is pretty much the same amount of steals. Um, more, uh, no, less assists. Uh, more boards, though, um, and also has a better free throw percentage. Mm. I mean, that's tough because it's like, I like him, but at the same time, is there anyone? Ah, man, we're, it's a serious situation. Worst performers over the past couple yeah. weeks have been Trey Young, Gary Harris, and Otto Porter Jr. Otto Porter is that guy who, like, I feel like he's just sucking all year, and I don't want to pull the trigger and move him, and then all of a sudden he's going to get a shooting form back. And be shooting like 50 45. Well, he's been, I mean, he's been, he's, uh, I mean, uh, outside of today, because today's currently going on, uh, in the six, he had five threes made, and the other game, he had two. Yeah. And he had 19 and eight. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. You got to balance. I don't, I don't love Rondo. Um, I'm going to throw that out there. You don't love Rondo? Because, I mean, we have, I mean, he got us 10 assists, but he's not, he's not getting us points. He's, he's had a couple steals, but, I think more we across could, the board. We I mean, move, we can move Rondo if, if if we're good in assists already. If what what number are we in assists? Uh, I'm gonna be the only one with this pulled up. Yeah, because I don't have it. Mm-hmm. I'm um, just I'm de- me, I'm just calling shots. On we this load this. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make this. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, we'll make this not a 20 minute episode. Yeah, well, yeah, when Sean has to look at a computer um, and scroll through different tabs. Fourth and field goals made. Third and field goal percentage. Pretty uh, good. Pretty good. Th- 
uh, fourth to last in free throw percentage. Yikes. Uh, middle of the pack in three-pointers made. Mm-hmm. Uh, middle mm-hmm. of the pack in three-point percentage. Okay. Uh, fourth in boards. Respectful. Fourth in assists. Um, oh, five, five or six in seals. And uh, middle of the pack in blocks. And we're about uh, probably fifth in points. All right. So, I mean, like... So, I mean, we're across the board, we're fine. It is... Hmm. My so thing, Rondo though, is if we, get, if we get more... Well, I mean, we need. If, I mean, what's the, what are we trying to gain in that, picking up Siakam? Yeah, like, he's a good player. Can I throw wrong. something out? Yeah, of course. And this is something I don't even know if he would accept this, but I'm I'm willing to push the button on this if you guys are willing to as well. Offer a trade to Atlanta, just just incredible. For we would get Kawhi and Rodney Hood, and we would send him Andre Drummond and Gary Harris because he is one of the bottom in rebounds. So Andre Drummond could help him out there. Kawhi and Drummond, kind of the same level fantasy-wise, a little bit similar, and then kind of shift Gary Harris and Rodney Hood because I like Rodney Hood's free throw number. Our free throw numbers are better than Gary Harris, and all the other ones, they're a little bit similar, but I like Rodney Hood better than Gary Harris right now. I don't know if that's enough value for him to move a Kawhi Leonard. And not, not asking if... He would say yes if you would be okay with me hitting that trade button to propose. Sean, you're the Gary Harris guy. Yeah, I like you, I like Gary Harris miles behind. I mean, Rodney Hood. I, I don't think he's going to do anything. But I'm saying, like, fa- like fantasy is different also, than. No, I know. But also, I understand that Rodney Hood's at 92 percent at 2.5. Mm-hmm. What is Gary Harris's? Gary Harris right now is getting to the line more and at 81 percent. Mm-hmm. So although he is not shooting at a higher percentage, and I know percentage matters more. He mm-hmm. is going to the line more, and we will get more opportunity. So my thing more is more opportunities. Gar- Gary, but we're not Gary, no, but my thing is Gary, Gary Harris is helping us at more rate. So if he goes three for four at seventy five percent, that's going to help us more than you know Rodney Hood going one for one because three to four moves the needle needle more than one for one. Because yeah, you know, obviously it's a hundred percent, it's perfect. But we're moving for if we're at seventy two percent, seventy five percent will help us more because but we're adding Rodney, more attempts. But Rodney Hood is also shooting a lot better from three as well. Yeah, but so I think Gary Harris is going to. I think Gary Harris is going to flip. Gary Harris is a guy that's going to come around. I'm Gary not, Harris is not going to shoot twenty six percent from three. Gary Harris has been a guy that shot forty percent from three mm-hmm. throughout his career. It's been nine games. I mean, here's the thing: if we're really trying games. to get, if we're trying to fix our free throw percentage, we have to move Drummond. Uh, that's, no, that's, that's it. Like that's we've got to move him, but for what? But we we get so many rebounds. Like Gary he, Gary Harris, like last year was eighty two percent from the line. Mm-hmm. He's going to line more and shooting at eighty one percent. I'm fine with 19. that. And Gary Harris is shooting less threes than he was last year. He's just not hitting them. I think it's going to come around. I don't think Gary Harris has ultimately become like a bad three point shooter. His worst three point shooting was his uh, rookie year, shooting at twenty percent. He's been over thirty five percent since then. He was actually actually at forty two percent in 2016, 2017, and then went down to thirty nine uh, last year. But that was at five point nine. I think it's too early to move on from Gary Harris because he's going to hit like two a game at like forty percent. So what about Drummond for Devin Booker? Why would they accept that? There's no reason they would. No, no. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at teams that like. If you I'm want Andre at, Drummond, you tell us. I'm looking at Anthony's team, is. and Anthony is in the bottom for rebounds. But will like, one that's what player I'm move that needle enough for them? I mean, he is putting down 16 He's a putting night. 16 a night, and Devin Booker can help us because he's going to the free throw line for about 7 a night, and he's hitting 83%. Who, who is Book? Uh, Anthony. Can you tell me the team? Anthony, uh, team, team Corrupt. corrupt. 
Like that's okay. what I that's what I'm targeting is I'm targeting teams for Drummond that need rebounds because that's what he's going to give you. Mm. We might have to throw on a sweetener on that mm-hmm. one. Like I, th- I just think that's I where mean, we're at. Where Booker we need to hasn't been book, Booker has been hurt. over oh no over uh, the the research stat or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He's at a negative point three four. So yeah, I, I we will let's just propose it. Mm-hmm. We'll toss it out there. We'll see what happens. If it's a bad trade, sorry, Anthony. I'll let you know next week when it comes. Uh, let's let's throw a oh. sweetener in. All right, so let's uh. Yeah, let's throw a sweetener. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out off, off trade because mm-hmm. we don't want to reveal too much. We're going we'll, too we'll wrap far, this yeah. Up, and we'll go into uh, Zion Williamson next. But we're in the middle of the pack right now for fantasy. We're trying to move up. And yep. uh, we're going to try to do so by uh, mm-hmm. moving away from Andre Drummond and, and, and picking up a player that's going to help Everybody us. Everybody ripped on us for the Drummond pick, and I totally agree now looking at my free throw percentage. <laughs> like, he scores a lot of points. He gets a lot of rebounds. But that free throw percentage. Well, the only thing that close. hurts us is that he goes to the line so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. at, at five Drummond. Yeah. So I mean, if also I don't know why you move, want to move on from Malcolm Brogdon so much because you keep always bringing him up as a player oh, to drop. He's a perfect. From this line. year I didn't. Yeah. This year, no, this, this year you have. No, this I mean week this week I have. But yeah, yeah, he's been fantastic. So uh, we're looking to move uh, Andre Drummond if you are interested, and we haven't made the deal already with Anthony. So uh, that's gonna do it for the fantasy update, and uh, we'll be back with you next week. But boys, let's move into the final topic, and that's Zion Williamson, and it's if he's NBA ready. We saw him for the first time in college on November 6th. They beat up on Kentucky 118-84, an impressive performance from Zion and the Duke Blue Devils. He had 28 points, uh, went one for one from three, 11 of 13 from the field, had seven boards, two assists, one block, one steal as well. Uh, Also had three offensive boards. Incredible performance from uh, you know uh, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, um, but Zion is the guy we're focusing on because high percentage field goal percentage wise, uh, absolutely dominated that game. Highlight reels left and right. I mean, I know Dominique was the human highlight reel, but this kid might be able to take that over uh, from Dominique. What were you guys' first impressions seeing Zion in a Duke uni? Holy shit! Just, just <laughs> holy shit! That was. One of the most dominant performances coming out of the gates, and he only played 23 minutes, mm-hmm. and he was doing everything. I think I was most impressed by his footwork. For a guy of his size at 285, he was able to easily navigate the lane, easily make dime passes, like just on the spot, perfect location. I just, for a man his size, he should not move that well. He is explosive, he is quick, and he has a great, uh, he has great vision. So far, like it's one game. I don't want to overact, but holy shit! <laughs> no, for What's me, your first reaction? two things. First off, I feel sorry for Cam Reddish because we're although he's going to be the third best player in this draft class, we're going to kind of push him off to the side a lot this year, and it's going to be R.J. Barrett versus Zion Williamson for draft talk. Who should be taking one? Who should be taking two? And it's I, a little preemptive. And I but... look at this. This is more preemptive. You ready for this? Oh, I was talking to Dave Drop yesterday the at dinner. We went, in my childhood, I saw the greatest player ever to play in Michael Jordan. And we went from him to LeBron James. Oh, fuck. Zion Williamson. LeBron is at the end. He's kind of teetering off. Zion will become the next guy that we call the greatest player in the NBA. I'm not saying GOAT discussion. I'm saying he will be the next one that we say, this is the best guy in the league. This is the best player in the league. Sean? What? He doesn't, like, I know it's one game, 
It is even, one game but even, in but college. The reason dude. why I am saying this. You put him up in the pedestal of Jordan and LeBron. And this is why I am saying this. Because Brandon knows I am upset with Brandon right now. Because we were supposed to do a big board for the primetime podcast. I had Zion. And Brandon can say all he wants. And I'm not the only one. I'm in the minority that had Zion number one before this team you were. even played a game. You had him in our, I think our, in our way too early mock draft. I am the highest. I mean, I had him five overall in our mock oh, really? draft. Okay. Um, you guys had him at seven. But, I mean, yeah, big disrespect this, this was a guy that I, looking after looking at the tape from all three of them, I was like, yeah, I like Zion better. I like what this kid can do because he's got all of it. Like, he's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He can shoot from, like, I know he only went one and one from three, but he can shoot the ball. He can dunk the ball. He can block. He can rebound. This is going to be the guy you look at and go, he can play defense, offense, do everything. Everything you need, he'll do it for you. The really? only thing the only thing that will hurt Zion, and I'm knocking on wood hard here, is if he gets injured, and I'm hoping he doesn't. I, gee, I, Jesus Christ. Ricky. How do you follow that up, Sean? Like, I mean, come on. He's just anointed the next no, king. Here's, here's, here's the thing. is Was I incredibly impressed with what Zion Williams uh-huh. did? A hundred percent. There is no way you cannot look at that highlight reel and just be absolutely floored by mm-hmm. what he did. From that block that he had, then running up floor on the left side, then bouncing it, uh, you know, bounce pass right there perfectly yep. to, I think it was R.J. Barrett, uh, who finishes and, and cleans it up at the hole. A hundred percent. A couple of dunks that he had were just jaw-dropping at what he did. Even, you know, grabbing boards is impressive from this kid. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about the two greatest players that have ever put on an NBA jersey and LeBron James and Michael Jordan. That is way too to, fast, and you got to know that. If I because can, we do not know what he will do in a competition level. He's playing with two of the. I mean, he's playing oh, with two I'll, of the other best. I'll say it right here. This I know team's going to go undefeated. I'm trying to say that you're wrong. This team's going undefeated. They ain't going to lose a game this year. That's congrats, how I feel. After and when this. they lose, everyone's going to be like, "Ah, you were wrong." I yeah. mean, like it, it, it's not too crazy of a hot take to say mm-hmm. that they're going undefeated because they get to play, you know, Army in Eastern Washington next. They're going to be undefeated no, after no, those no. three games. I mean, like, no, I know for the whole season they're yeah. going to win the national championship. They're going to yeah. finish with a, a loss. I know what you're mm-hmm. saying. I'm just saying you're saying that after one game, if you call it cool, if you don't, no one's going to care because when you call that after no. one game. But no, let me talk. You're go- you're putting him up on a very <coughs> high, high pedestal. Yeah, people like. LeBron was the last person people did this with, yeah. and that was coming out of high school, and people yeah. knew out of high school that he was the king. Mm-hmm. People knew this. People didn't do this with Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant's the second-best player in the NBA. Like, to have that much talent, it's pretty obvious. And the only—I mean, you can make the argument that Jordan didn't have that because, obviously, you know, he wasn't the first overall pick. He was third. He wasn't even but a— He wasn't the even thing the that GOAT separated until, like, what, eighth the, year in the league? Until he started winning championships? Well, no, but I'm saying, like— I mean, he wasn't the best player in his draft class, is what I was saying. Yeah. LeBron was. Um, but with Zion, we don't know if he has that next-level edge, and we will never know that until he hits his fifth, sixth year in the NBA. So you can't call it after one game because it's just utterly ridiculous to I'm put lo- him in that breath. I'm looking into my crystal ball, and I can Your see Your crystal it. ball is cloudy like, and, and broken, dude. And the reason why—another reason why I can say that is one of the biggest things that is going to help Zion that— is going to be totally different with, like, R.J. Barrett will be one of them. And most most of the guys in draft, it's like, man, we're going to wait wait till he gets to the league and he puts on some muscle there. Sorry, I hit your water bottle there, Dave. But Sorry, he's got to put on some muscle. Zion's so big, it's like he he's going to come in and he's not going to be 
what I think he's going to be day one in the NBA, but I'm talking about when LeBron is officially retired because that day is coming. Zion will develop. I can see it. My prediction is he will develop okay. into the guy that is the best player in the right league. Right now, who are you taking? Number Don- one? No, right now, who are you oh. taking? Luka Doncic for the, rest of, for the rest of his career or Zion Williamson? Zion Williamson. Ben Simmons or Zion Williamson? Zion Williamson. Jason Tatum or Zion Williamson? Zion Williamson. That one was the easiest out of the three. <laughs> ben was the hardest. Luka was the second hardest. Jason Tatum was the easiest to answer out of the three. Dave. Like, that is how confident I feel in Zion. Or talk, uh... just talk some sense on this podcast. Because this is not where I was going. I was asking if he's NBA ready. Ricky's like, he's not NBA ready. He's NBA Hall of Fame ready. Yep. My God. (laughs) The hell? He is going to be the guy. We get it. We've heard you. You're wrong. My God. We'll see. You're a broken record. Yeah, we'll wait. We'll have to wait until I'm 35 years old and have three kids. Like, we'll see. Or is he? Or is he wrong? No. I don't know. Answer the question. It's a weird pause. <laughs> Suspense. Suspense. This is like a horrible segment. Just where like, hey, you're going to be as good as Michael Jordan, the Le- Le- LeBron James kid. I can't wait till this kid's in the NBA Finals. What team is he going to be on? What, the, what is the organizational structure going to be like? LeBron didn't win a Finals until he left Cleveland. We don't know what his career is going to be. Talent-wise, maybe he walks in and he's going to be the best athlete right away, mm-hmm. day one in the NBA. You can have a very solid argument that he can be the best athlete in the NBA next year because he's a 6'7", 280-pound kid with a 44, you know, vertical and can run the floor like nothing. He is a fantastic athlete, but we have no idea if he has that next-level championship DNA to take a team to the NBA Finals. We don't even know if he's going to be the guy that takes Duke to that undefeated season. If that is your prophecy. It might be R.J. Barrett because I saw R.J. Barrett put up 33 in that game. He wasn't in foul trouble. Mm -hmm. He led that Duke team. Arguably, R.J. Barrett had a more impressive night at least from a basketball standpoint, than the highlight reel of Zion Williamson. So this might be talking like Steve Nash versus Jason Williams. If you're looking at, you know, Jason White Chocolate Williams, he had a better highlight reel than Steve Nash. But Steve Nash is a Hall of Famer. Jay, Jay Will is not. So, I, I mean, mean, R.J. Barrett did, like, have a Kobe game where he just shot it a shit ton of times. He had 26 attempts that game. That's a lot of attempts. Yeah, he scored 33 points and yeah, was 26 still 26 attempts, 33 shots. I mean, that's he's, he's a lot of shots. It's a lot of shots. I'm just saying. He was Zion didn't 50% need that percent many. from the field. Zion didn't need that many shots. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, no, look, Sean, in all seriousness, Zion comes in, and I think he is exactly what the NBA needs. Like he, he, we, we were impressed by Marvin Bagley's motor and his physicality last year. Like This kid has incredible athletics to him. And then Zion Williamson takes that and makes him look like a fucking dumpster. 100%. Like, mm-hmm. It's just, that, that man's a sack of potatoes compared to Zion Williamson. It is insane to think that there's only one guy bigger in the NBA than him. That's Boban. Boban's the only man in the NBA heavier than Zion Williamson is. Yeah. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. It might be JV, but I think it's, I, I think Boban is the only one uh, for, like, official measured in weight, which who knows what they're at, like, plain weight, but, like, official weight, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's insane. This man has pythons for arms and legs. He's got tree trunks. Like, it's just, you can't talk enough about what he is physically. And I think that's where it's impressive is we talked about LeBron being fantastic in high school. And he was like, you know, like we're talking about, he was anointed the next king. He was the next coming for the NBA because of he was already there physically. Mm -hmm. He also had the game to get to the hoop at will. He had the passing vision. He had every tool there is. Zion Williamson in high school was a kid dominated a bunch of smaller kids, dunking on everyone. We didn't see what Zion could do 
with a full team. We didn't see what he could do outside of that one small scope of Zion gets the ball, Zion dunks. Gets ball, dunks. Gets ball, dunks. Now we're seeing him pass, and we're seeing him take an open three. We're seeing plays develop with him being off ball, on ball. Like This is what I'm intrigued about. With a because, coach who has worked with NBA-level talent. Exactly. So now you, you put one of the most physically gifted athletes on a team in a position where you can really see, like, is he a five-tool kind of guy? Like, base, mm-hmm. I'm still in the baseball term of a five-tool player, but, like, really, how much does he have or how much is he riding on his athleticism? Because we all know one injury can take down an athlete of his caliber. Mm-hmm. Well, but if he has the other tools around his game... He's going to be good to go. And when I was watching him, I, I think I texted you guys this. He reminded me of Derrick Rose, but in a 6'7", 280-pound body. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Yeah. And, and that's putting the him on the level. Land. And that's putting him on the level of a rookie of the year and MVP. Again, I'm not saying this kid isn't talented. Yeah. But coming out with the hot take that he's going to be as good as LeBron James, the next LeBron James, he's going to be the torchbearer in the NBA. I'm going to get a little bit upset with that I because mean, these are guys that are literally multiple-time MVPs, guys mm-hmm. that have been you know near the top of the top five in scoring. They have been you know some of the most impressive players we have ever seen. We've never seen Zion Williamson take a game-winning shot. We've never seen Zion Williamson in a big-pressure game. I've seen LeBron do that game. either, to be fair. What's that? <laughs> taking shots at LeBron over here, taking game-winning shots. Uh, I'm just being Orlando a dick. I'm just, I'm just being a dick. Uh, Toronto last year. I needed just, Kyrie. I understand. There's been multiple times where LeBron has hit that big shot. It took him a long time to get there. That's all I'm saying. He, yeah, but, that was the biggest knock what, on him in his early career. But what I'm saying career. is coming out of um, against the hot take, mm. we don't know what Zion's going to do True. in a high-pressure situation. Right now, he's performing great in college. He went 11 of 13. He also is playing with two of the best other college pro- high school prospects coming out this year in yeah. Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett. So it's not like he's on a team with a lack of talent. He's on a very talented team with even Trey Jones, who's most likely going to be a top-ten pick. Mm-hmm. He's on a team with three other top-ten picks, and he has a fantastic coach in Coach K. What if he goes to, you know, like the, let's say, the Atlanta Hawks? Maybe he goes to the team where, or for, let's go, let's... Cleveland. Like, what if, you put him in Cleveland. What what if we put him in Cleveland? What if you put him in Chicago? Fred Hoiberg Ooh. might not last this year. So he's not going to have I mean, a lot of organizational stability around him. With <laughs> Chicago wouldn't be bad, though. <laughs> no, but I'm saying is like, you when, to, when to grow a player, you need organizational stability. Mm-hmm. So could you imagine him having to grow in the shadow of LeBron James? If Cleveland uh, or Michael <laughs> Jordan uh, rolls the dice and gets another but number yeah, one like pick. Michael, we wouldn't be comparing him to Michael. You just compared. did. No, no, no. But I'm saying like. People like physicality. Physicality. Wise, now he'd be closer to physically. like LeBron yeah. came in he's after close, Michael. Like but, LeBron came in after Michael. Many people like, especially younger fans coming in that don't remember Michael. It'll be oh, you know, we're gonna compare him to LeBron James. Yeah. No, I understand it, but even like when you, I think you were even saying physicality wise, like yeah, yeah, Zion's bigger than Michael Jordan. Zion's also bigger than LeBron mm-hmm. James. But <laughs> like, LeBron's six eight two fifty. Zion six seven two eighty two eighty five. So like that's bigger. Here. Oh, oh, he's bigger. But at the same time, they're going I think that. Do you think? Let me, let me actually take this different direction. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of the hype. I'm sick of all that shit. How do you think he's gonna play in the NBA? Do you think he's a four? Do you think he's gonna play in a similar style to a Draymond Green, but with more scoring through him? Mm-hmm. Like he's going to be well, like that Fat K Love role in uh, Timberwolves, as far as being like the star of a team, but like stat, just he's a monster. That's why I was, like, just, where, that's why I was just getting, you know, we kind of got off I the rails. I want to put him on the Cavs. It's, it's my fault. This next year. Uh, what if he went to the Wizards? Okay. Let's the Wizards are not going to be that bad all Okay, year. let's stop throwing out teams and let's answer Dave's question mm-hmm. first. Because we got off the rails with your hot take and then my reaction to the hot take. To answer Dave's question, the first thing that I thought in my head, and don't take this name and do what I did before, 
But what if it's like a similar thing that we do with Giannis, where it's like, well, what position is Giannis? Well, he's not a four. He's just it's. What if he fits into more of a positionless basketball, where it's like he's not a four. He's but, not a one. No, he's not a two. That's fine. But we're Who's not saying we're not playing. Dave's modeled after. Yeah, that, that's what Dave's saying. Is like what? What is his role? Even though it's positionless basketball, what is his role going to be? Is he going to be like Giannis, and they're going to put the ball in his hands, and he's going to bring the ball? He's what about be like a LeBron, mix? and he's going to be like a point forward? I'll put or, it this way: He's a little bit of Draymond with a little bit of Giannis, where he's not going to be. Ways? He's not going to be as like Giannis can handle the ball like a point guard. Yes, Zion can handle the ball, but I don't think he'll be the one bringing it up all the time like a Ben Simmons and a Giannis do. But he can be that Draymond where it's like, hey, I can do on top of scoring, I can do everything else in rebounding, blocking, passing the ball out to an open player Mm -hmm. because like he is going to be playing with R.J. Barrett who it's not like I have to score and I have to score everything for us to win. No, I'm going to pass it off but to what RJ. have you seen that at least gives you the inkling that he can bring the ball up and run an offense in in you know limited mm-hmm. time, like what you're saying? He's not going to be a Ben Simmons like you were saying, I think but you're, if you, you're expecting him to be a point forward in from, some ways. From what I've seen in this one game is that fast break that he had, that's, that is him bringing the ball up. He's not going to bring be one that brings one up and sets but, the offense. He's going to be that guy where it's like, wow, this huge 6-7 se- well, guy is able to run the ball in transition and score. That's just running the fast break, though, and I think that's where he's NBA ready. Mm-hmm. There's no way you're going to be able to stop him. If you take a charge, you're going to be concussed. <laughs> if you try to block him, you're going to be concussed. Like nice. it, it's it, He's going to be able to run the fast break, and he's going to be able to pass it, but again, when you need to play actual basketball, and you're not, you know, I know, mm-hmm. I know it's obviously basketball, but like when you need to be in sets, either, either full court sets, half court sets, and you're running plays, what is his role going to be? I don't think he's ever going to be in that point forward situation because that's a little bit different than what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, we've seen like, I'm not just saying any he's going forward, to be a point like, forward. Aaron Gordon's been a guy that can bring the ball up and move the ball in transition and, and, and take a, take Hell, a rebound Justice wins and move up. Yeah, Justice as well. I mean, like, God, it's, that's not too crazy. He might be one of the better players at doing that, yeah. but I don't think that really defines his role because I don't think he's going to be a guy that, again, he's going to be dribbling the ball up top. I think he might be, and I think his possible situation, depending on his passing, because this guy's passing his next level, maybe he can end up being a guy who is like a Nikola Jokic, where the offense isn't really technically run through him. He's not getting, you know, for sure 15 shots a night, but he is a guy that is really involved on every single play. He's going to be a guy that, with his big body, he's going to be setting up picks. And then, you know, they can dump it off to him at the top of the key, and then with his passing ability, dump it down low, or with his incredible athletic ability, ISO ball, drive in, dish out, or attack the basket. I think that what what he might be, and that really ends up putting him into a five role because I don't think he's going to be a guy that brings up the ball like you were saying. I don't think he's going to be like a Giannis or Ben Simmons every time he's going to be a point forward. I think he's going to be more of a guy that's going to work in a system as an offensive player and go after it. I think also defensively, he's going to go up against a guy that's at least near his size, or if you know they are playing small ball, I think he can honestly guard fives. I think he's going to be able to guard anyone from probably like the one of the five. Nice. I don't really see any limitations with him defensively because he's quick enough to stick with one. I mean, well, and maybe if he's going we'll up against a guy like a, I mean, level ones. Well, if he's going up against a guy like a Kyrie Irving, I totally see his ass getting smoked. Yeah, but like if he's going up against a guy like a Jeff Teague, I don't know if Jeff Teague's handles are going to wow him. So he the, could probably go up against ones that are like you know middle of the road to bench guys. Yeah. So it, it, my bold you know comparison as far as his play style is going to be like a 
take the muscle mass of like a Brody for his position. Like mm-hmm. this guy's yoked basically, mm-hmm. but he's playing like a shitty rebounding Kevin Garnett. Like he has the ability to be one of the best power forwards physically in his role. Well, I think you, he can score. Well, real quick, at, why do you not think he will be able to be a great rebounder? Because that's the one thing that I think he's going to be able to do with his. With his just, incredible... Kevin Garnett was one of the best rebounders for his position. That's why I'm like afraid well, to say because like KG mm-hmm. averaged. 14 rebounds or just shy of 14 rebounds a couple of years like he he was a 12 to 14 range was his zone and that's why i was like look let me just i'm gonna bring it down mm-hmm. and say like look if he puts up like you uh, but know, i think he's gonna be a guy that can i think he's double, double. i think well like, that's the thing like it's like a 10 and 10 is rookie year like he's well, definitely gonna be able to so do here's that. the thing i think positionally or i think it, it matters a lot on where he lands as far as what will be available to him but i what i see out of him is someone who is big strong fast has good court vision Seems to have a very great knack for having like quick feet and being able to have some handle to him. He's making move like I'm rewatching the film. Yeah, and he's making moves that point guards do. Right, like, his handles like, are what, there. What, like what between the legs, like how he leans off a defender and spins around him. Like I'm watching him drive to the basket. and It's like point guards do this, not six seven power forwards. Right. So that's I, I go towards the guy who was one of the best power forwards of all time. Like he, I think he was. What, the only guy to have, like, I forget the numbers, but it's like some stupid amount of rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, points. The combination has basically been unheard of. Uh, it's Kevin Garnett. Like, you have a guy who can dominate the low post, who can stretch the floor out, who is great passing out of the post, great passing at the top of the key, and absolutely is someone who I think that Zion on the right team is a 20-point-a-game score. Well, I think Kevin Garnett was, and I think this was a pro comp, like, at, a, at his very top end was a guy like Jaron Jackson. But was that was that a pro comp, or was that Marvin Bagley? One of them was compared to Kevin Garnett. I don't remember. I, I just don't I remember know if, it being said, but I don't remember I just who it was. don't think that... I don't... And, obviously, either of those guys with the passing ability that Garnett had and that I see out of Zion already. Well, I think it was probably Jackson because Jaron averaged like four assists per game, I think, in college. Um, but I, I think like... I don't think he's going to be in that mold, though, still, because I think he's going to play more near the top of the arc. Although he might not be a great three-point shooter, he's going to be more deadly when he has that time to explode and separate. Well, that's the thing. So I don't think he's ever going to be a low-post player. Like, obviously, he has post-ups, and if, yeah. he, if he has the right matchup, he'll be able to put his you know body into somebody and back but him down. But you want to see him be a slashing wing. Exactly. Okay. So I think I think he might be more of a slashing wing. So and, Brody plus KG. Yeah. Somewhere like, in between. Like, I mean, he's such he's such an interesting <laughs> player. Saying, like Ricky's trying let, to bring yeah. up. Let's it's just put this to way: find you're a, trying to find, find the like Derrick Rose, and I go to the other guy in that draft, and Brody, and it's like, look. Why don't we just say this? He's going to be probably the first player that we've ever seen that can develop into that guy to where I can do it all. Where it's like, hey, you well, know LeBron's what? If already we, there. If we what need like six seven two seventy guy, where it's like, hey, I'm Eight. gonna come out. Run like we need someone to run this set. I can do it. Kind of like what I'm gonna say. What you said, like Derrick Rose on the Bulls MVP season, okay. like how he was driving to the lane. But he can also be that guy. Hey, I'll be like the power forward that backs you in and kind of puts up a little jump hook, a little finesse. Or that guy. Hey, I'm gonna back you down, spin around you, and just flush it. And like I look at there's there are like just in this one little clip I'm watching like. The clips that they're putting up there, I'm like, well, I'm seeing three different players 
in one guy right now. And I know it's one guy. I know it's a different level. It's one game. But but I'm seeing three different play styles, three different types of players in one guy right now. In that you have seen players like that, though. I mean, we saw Mm -hmm. LeBron James do that. LeBron James, I mean, against the Toronto Raptors last year, he's put his back. I I know that's what you're trying to say. And that's what I said at the beginning, yeah. But I don't think he, again, when when you're comparing him to a LeBron James, when Mm -hmm. you're comparing him to a Michael Jordan, those guys I'm got putting hit with, a lot on them. Yes, and those guys were able to take those you know, those abilities. Mm-hmm. And you know, if LeBron flamed out, like I don't think too many people would be shocked if he cracked under the pressure. Obviously, yeah. he hasn't, and he's rose to one of the biggest stars of all time. But that takes a next level person to be able to handle it. A guy that like D Rose, D Rose wasn't able to bounce back from those injuries. D Rose mm-hmm. wasn't able to fully handle the life of the NBA as we saw him disappear, um, unfortunately, when he was when he was in New York. Like sometimes guys are yeah. able to take that on. We don't know what Zion's personality is going to be like once he becomes a pro, mm-hmm. and that's a large part of becoming one of the greatest players of all times. Being up there like a, a, a LeBron James, like a Michael Jordan. That's why I think the the, the comparison is so crazy. Because we have seen Michael. Obviously, we know the story from high school. He, you know, uh, didn't, he didn't get even to, get to be a starter. To make the JV team, yeah. and then got cut and whatever. Made the varsity team, and now he's you yeah. know, one of the greatest players of all time. Like he had that. Zion's he, he been had that on Instagram back. with like over a million followers since like his junior year of high school. Yeah, but then how does that actually translate to like, NBA seems, pressure? Because no, there's no, no pressure in high school. Like you're just going up there and you're like, okay, I'm the best athlete. I'm the best player. Everybody knows close, it. Yeah. I'm going to destroy you. Yep. And in college, all right, I'm the best athlete out here still. And I'm going up against you know I, I, Kentucky, who's well, the second recruiting class in the in the league so far. Mm-hmm. But I also have R.J. Barrett, I have Cam Reddish, and I have the, and, and Trey Jones, and I have the best coach of all time, or one of the best coaches in college history, in Coach K next to me. Like I don't know what he's going to be like at that next level. Maybe I don't. being the number one on a team, and that's my point. Well, and here's the thing: maybe I don't have that worry about him because although you can't say it. For everyone, because there's a few people that are different. Not everyone's the exact same. But for the most part, when I think of players that have played for Coach K at Duke, not many of them screamed to me that guy who was, like you were saying, pressure. Like, Derrick Rose is a perfect example. Couldn't get past the injuries. Like, Carl Anthony Towns is another one where it was, like, number one pick and— there are times well, where people kind of that, question his mentality and his uh, mental structure for the game, where it's like Duke players, like, look at Jason Tatum. I know it's a small one example, but, like, he comes in, third pick, and then takes over the Celtic team when two of their their top two stars go down with yeah, injury. Yeah, but then let's also see how he's been reacting so far through nine or yeah. 12 games. He's been performing horribly. Mm-hmm. People think he's contracted Kobe disease and he's a guy that's <laughs> shooting up terrible shots. He's shooting mid-range jumpers early into the shot clock and he doesn't look like the same player. So, I mean, again, it takes a lot to be a great player. And, and I don't I think that Jason he's... Tatum's done and dead. Hold on. I don't think Jason Tatum's done and dead, but again, it's going to take a lot to t- take that and move on. I think the guy that you're looking for, mm-hmm. at least in that Duke system, was played under Coach K. There's two of them. Grant Hill. Who yeah. was on the track to be one of the best players of all time, but unfortunately was derailed by. Yeah, was un, un, unfortunately derailed against injuries. Mm-hmm. And the guy who's Jason Tatum's teammate, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, those are the two guys that you can look at. Number one picks, best players in their draft class, guys who were looked at as the next best players. And so far, Kyrie's been very good. Mm-hmm. Kyrie's been you know an All Star, an, uh, an All NBA team player. But also, we have never seen him as the best point guard in the NBA. And Grant Hill, unfortunately, due to his injuries, and Kyrie as well. Weren't yeah. able to take over that that manscape and that 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 uh, what's it called? Landscape. You say manscape, mantle, yeah. 
The manscape. Mantle. That's it what I was trying to say. Yeah. Landscape thing, and mantle. And manscape. The thing you have to understand too is like when I made my my proclamation, my prediction, it's not like he's going to be drafted and all right, day one, he's gonna be the best player in the NBA. I'm saying more well, like no, but, but eight no years into his that. career, five, eight years, he will be like he'll develop I can see him developing into that because like you say, Oh well I have to worry about what this I think all of those answers or questions that you have are going to be answered this well, year. That's what and I have no problem. Like, I have you, no worry with though? it because I think they are going to face adversity. Like they might not face adversity in non-conference, but like ACC, they'll face a little bit. Adversity. Do they face adversity if they lose? Well, I mean, like uh, if they, if they don't lose, do they face adversity? Yes, because I think How? there will be. I think that one of the UNC games will be close. I think that one of the tournament games will be close. Like the conference tournament games. Will be close. I like, think it, like the but, the way I think back to it is: look at the Illinois team that only lost two games. Yeah, did they face adversity? Yeah, they lost to even if the loss to OSU didn't happen or the loss in the national championship. Did they face adversity? Hell yeah, that Arizona game was insane. We almost lost God, that I game. That. Yeah, I remember that, like that double game. overtime like game. Points. And I, there back. are going to be games like that this season, even if they go undefeated. And I think in those moments. Zion will answer the questions that you are asking. But why? What what speaks upon that? Just because he's a great athlete, mm-hmm. just because he's extremely impressive no, on the I'm floor. I'm just saying but every what, question you have, like, can he but, take a final shot? Can he do this? He's going to answer but, in a moment in that game where you go, yes, okay, that is answered. But what, I don't have what, to worry what about are you basing that, that off of? You just believe that. Yeah, I what, know. What do you, there's no basis off of that. Sometimes it's just, game sometimes it's just faith, Sean. Sometimes you got to have why is faith, the faith there? and just believe. Because if you... Because I just don't think, and this could be a little faith, a little prediction. I just don't think I'll see that failure. If you want the best one take hot game reactions, look no further than the 76ers and Michael Mm -hmm. Carter Williams. Coming out that draft, he dad dicked the goddamn Heatles. Mm -hmm. First game, goes in there and just dumps all over them. And I mean, like, if you want to talk about, like, just being way off on what a player can be. That is the one game hot take. And that's why I say, look, as much as we saw out of him, as impressive as he was, I would not be ready to crown him yet. Because, yes, play style-wise, we want him to be the next LeBron James. Oh, my God, look how good at passing he is. Mm -hmm. Look how big he is. Look how quick he is. Look how strong he is. He can do everything LeBron can do, except he's a little bit bigger. So he's the the next LeBron. I mean, like, I, I see him similar vein, but, like, you have to be realistic with the... He's playing against, yes, they're the number two team in the nation, but they're still college kids and no, I, we have to watch many games you can't just take one game and say this is definitely who that player is like if you watch everybody has good nights everybody has bad nights i'm not saying that he's going to go 11 of 13 every night and just kill it in limited minutes i think that we're going to have to watch the whole season do i think he's a top five talent in this draft class absolutely mm-hmm. do i think that he demands to be number one because he is a physical specimen we've not seen and a potential combo of skills we haven't seen since someone like lebron james not yet. Like, let's let's hold it on that. He looked great. No denying it. But, like, that's your first polished game for national TV. Do you know how prepped he was for that game? Let me see where how he's playing in the spring. Let me, let me see how he's mm-hmm. doing at that point of the year when, you know, they're 20 games into the season and they're coming off, the, like, their first loss of the year or something. Like, let's see who he is at that point. And that's what Sean's getting to. He wants yeah, to no, see... I- like I get where Ooh, you're is, coming from, but like you're I just look blind at faith it, in one no, game, no, no, and that's I, what terrifies me. And everything that like when he comes in, let's say rookie year game one, yeah, I'm not expecting 
best player in the league, Zion Williamson. I am saying I am looking what I have seen and what can develop, and I'm saying five to eight years like as he develops that it's going to, much like LeBron where he developed into the player he yeah. is, Zion will develop and barring any injury, hoping he doesn't get him, yep. that we will five years, eight years into his NBA career, he will then take the mantle and become the best player in the NBA. That is the potential I see in him. Could it not happen? Yes, but it can't happen. But thing, that is the potential I see, the ceiling that I see for Zion. My thing is just like, it's 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 just so much that potential that you're saying. And I, I'm not saying that you know his his athletic sometimes build, his the, body does not deserve that potential. But like sometimes I think there are unrealistic caps. And even saying back when LeBron mm-hmm. James was coming out that he would be this good is it, it, it's it's you know I I think that was the one kid that you can be like all right we can for sure put faith into it that mm-hmm. he he could possibly hit that but even then it is a long shot because we don't know what's going to happen throughout his career we don't know how he's going to handle adversity same with Jordan no one thought he was ever going to be that way mm-hmm. we're not we don't know these things until they hit that eighth year yeah and I don't think you could say it that they will possibly hit that. Even after one game in college, I just think that it's even too much to even put that potential cap on him because you are giving him the whole world, and I don't know what he's done to deserve it. He's been phenomenally impressive. He, the kid's a freak, an athletic freak. You look at you know players' games who have put up the field goal percentage that he did, the points that he did, and had the offensive rebounds. Nobody's done that since 2010. No one's ever done 28%, 11 to 13, or anything better than 84% and grabbed three offensive boards. No one has ever done that think since of, 2010 in college basketball. Think of the it kid's more, a freak. Think of it more this way. I'm not calling him the greatest player in the NBA, let's say, 10 years down the line. I'm not calling him the You're greatest player the right now. To. I'm saying he has the potential to. And I Obviously, just, anything can happen I, to where he can't get that potential. But that is where it's like the ceiling is the roof for him. But I, the ceiling is the I roof. I just disagree with that because I think that's way the, there needs to be a realistic potential for him, and that is not realistic potential. I, I don't think anyone really warrants that unless they are literally breathtaking. And and I I, yeah, I, I think mean, he, the only he, he, he took a, my breath away. But again, a couple like, times. Uh, I, I just think that, Take again, breath away. he's been impressive, but there's also reasons to say, all right, can he consistently do this and then do it not only in college for 34 games or 37, 38, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Can he do this again for in the NBA? And can he do that? And can he go through the struggles? And can he play on shitty teams and, and turn into a star? Or will he be a guy that you know turns into a great rebounder? Like Andre Drummond, go back and look at his college yeah. like highlights. The kid was throwing down like 360 dunks and still grabbing like, you know, 40 boards and like yep. 40 points. Like he's not able to take that next step though to become a great NBA player, although he has all the athletic ability and the body too. And that's the like, great I, thing about I, these. We'll see if we're right or we'll see if we're wrong. But my thing is also like no one's ever going to look back at this nine years and be like, wow, this guy got it. Or like look back in nine years and be like, oh, oh wow, this guy was totally off. There's a couple that might. For those four fans, nine years That's later. That's even too much. For the person named mm-hmm. Ricky Widmer who's going to look back and be like, man, I got it right. <laughs> like, like, or man, I got it wrong. Like, it's like I don't think this is a, a realistic take because we will never be able to. I think what do you, talk about that. Can that give take. me his stat line at the end of this year for Duke. Like, that's and, a fun and, one. And then give me his stat line for the end of the year, Duke. And then mm-hmm. his stat line for his end of his rookie year on the Cavs. 
Give me those two, because I'm curious. Like, what do you do? You think he's going to be a primary scoring option? Do you think he's going to constantly put up over 20 night, or do you think he's going to take a lesser? I can't speak to to the NBA one because I don't know what the team will be like. Just to help you, just to help you, he'll have uh, Colin Sexton. Mm -hmm. Yep. He'll have probably Larry Dance Jr. and he'll have Caleb probably for sure. And Jetty Osman. Yes, and Osman. I'm going to give you the college one. I'm going to say I'm going to go bold here. Yeah. So stick with me. I'm going to say he. He averages not only a double double a night. He's going to be the tw- at least like twenty and ten guy with twenty points, ten rebounds, like maybe four or five assists per. Maybe three to five assists. Three is low. Five is high. I don't think that's crazy. I don't, I don't in think, college, I mean, but like in the well, NBA, no, what it's I'm saying also, is like I mean, let's look at his you know kid from Duke last yeah. year. I mean, Marvin Bagley did that. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say I'm more impressed with Zion than I am with uh, mm-hmm. Marvin Bagley. The only thing yeah. now he would, could average like maybe two blocks a game, like or even more than that per game because I think defensively he's a lot better than what Marvin Bagley was. But Bagley was also longer, taller, yeah. and put in more situations for a block for blocks. I mean, yeah. he's mostly yeah, guarding so guys in the paint. Yeah, and turn around. Well, and I mean, Bagley defensively, too. There were times they'd take him off the court just so Wendell can get the team right defensively. Block stats do not define how good you are as a defender. I mean, Hassan Hassan Whiteside and DeAndre Jordan were never the best defenders in the NBA. But I'm saying now, take block stats away. I think that Zion, we're going to look at Zion this year and and say he's better defensively than Bagley. All right. No, of course. He's, I think he's yeah. better defensively than Bagley. Right no, now. I, I just know. said he can that's defend one through five. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I just think like rookie year, like he could be a guy that comes in and puts up 20 points. But mm-hmm. I think like the biggest thing that you're going to for sure get in him, he's going to be a guy that's not going to really hurt your offense. But I don't think he's going to be a number one scorer, maybe possibly ever. Uh, on your team, that's what I was like because like, like I don't again I don't know where his offensive game is going to live. I don't think he's going to be a guy like he's going to be pulling up from mid range jumpers. Like I think he's going to be a guy that's really going to attack the basket and maybe hits an open three every now and then. It's not like you know everyone's like oh he's shots fixed. He hit one three. He attempted yep. one three. Mm-hmm. It's not like I mean that was like a Markel Fultz game. Like Fultz <laughs> hit a three. Does Fultz shot fix? Front page no. Seven like, times. Like I mean, like there are times that he might hit a three. There also might times where he shoots five threes and misses them terribly. Mm-hmm. Like we don't we can't say Zion's a good shooter after one three. You know what I would love to see though? And I would love to see this timeline play out. Zion and RJ go one two, either order. One goes to a Western Conference, one goes to an Eastern Conference team, and I would love to see those two players be, they develop into number one and number two, mm-hmm. and their teams develop into the teams that go. So it's That'd basically Do you think, do you think RJ NBA has finals. the potential to be the best player in the NBA? At they both time do. Yeah, they both do. But I mean, I like me personally. I like Zion a little bit right That's now. That's such high praise, especially with the guys like him. I mean, some people are like, "Oh, this is a better draft class than last year." Mm-hmm. That's uh, like this incredibly year is the best draft class we've seen since like 2003. I don't know, dude. I'll say it. Like, I mean, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, no, no, you know, no, 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 Romeo Lankford. Last year's class was the oh, best year since oh, No, but I've heard some people say this year. The oh, one yikes. coming this one. Oh, I don't, like I don't know Zion, yeah, Cam, so R.J., Romeo. Trey, they, might, they have a lot of guys. top end talent. Uh, we'll, we'll see how they, so let's see how they play Se- out. Seku, Seku Dimboya. Well. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a ton of guys, but Ball Ball, yeah. um, Ja, I'm not high on him. Ja. <laughs> Morant, 
Oh, your boy. Literally the one man that Murray State. I wondered why you had the Murray the Murray State. I'm just watching him. Like it's halftime. He's got seven. He's got the Murray State (laughs) box score up. I'm like, what? I'm like, is he watching John? Like the guy. That's my. It's my guy. I I know he was your guy. Now I I think to answer the question because I don't think we ever did. Yeah. uh, Yes, Zion's NBA ready. Like the kid can come in and he's not going to be hurting your team. And whether that's in a starting lineup or whether that's off the bench, he's going to be able to have those moments where you're taken away. But will it be able to take that and, and put it into, you know, next level? We don't know. And, you know, the guys that have flopped, that have had, you know, incredible performances in college, like, you know, Jaleel Okafor, like, they have flopped because, again, they're probably bigger and they don't really fit mm-hmm. today's NBA. Zion fits today's NBA. Yeah. He's the ability to go in positionless basketball, like Ricky said. He has the ability to guard and switch. He has the ability to not be taken off the floor because of his defensive abilities. He has the ability to take, you know, to not, maybe not take over a game, but he has the ability to at least score points. He has but the he's ability got the to... momentum shifter. Like those dunks do more. It's more yeah. than two points. Like no, for you sure. talk about emotion in a game, and he's a guy who can flip a switch for a team. But does that mean he's going to be, you know, the best player in the NBA at some point? Most likely not. And like, if we're putting him in Draymond Green territory, <laughs> I don't think so. Like well, that's, I think Draymond Green's his floor. I'll be honest. I think Draymond Green is his floor. I think what he can, what Draymond brings to a team, is at at the like a more base athletic level. Draymond. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's someone who can take threes. He's someone who can pass anywhere on the floor. He's very smart. He he's a complete momentum shifter on that mm-hmm. team. Like he gets in the game, he's intense. He's everything they need. And so to, at his floor, that is what I see him. And at. to Ricky's point, we really don't know what his ceiling is because yeah. he is such an extremely you know fresh player because we don't know what he's going to be like. But yeah. Putting that ceiling at possible best that, player in the NBA, I just I disagree with The that. funny note that I had was when Ricky compared him, like, Giannis. I was like, Giannis was like a twig who had played basketball for like two years. No, but I'm saying like, the Giannis like, now. They're, they're very different players. That's mm-hmm. that's all I meant. It was just like, I'm, I'm thinking Giannis in the draft, and I'm like, oh, man, that boy that boy had no meat on his bones. And, like, you could Giannis, like, sideways is like Zion's arm right now. Like, he's just... Oh, and then when you look at Joe, like Joe was the same way too. Joe yeah. was stick so and didn't play what, basketball. So it's like the question is with him is like, is he just going to keep the same shape? Do you think he's going to slim down a little bit? Do you think you know? There's no way he gets bigger. I I don't know. <laughs> what if he starts lifting, bro? There's no way that kid's not lifting. <laughs> no, like more. Like like what if he comes in like just completely like has to go How sideways through doors? What if his ceiling's Larry Johnson? I've seen that comp. People have said that already. I've seen that comp because, yeah. I think that could be it. Just a modern-day Larry Johnson. Because Larry Johnson was a good passer. Larry Johnson was a fucking yoke, too. Ever see that guy's pythons? Holy shit. The only thing I can think of is after Dave was like, what if he was lifting and did this? So what, he becomes Brock Lesnar and comes into every game with Paul Heyman? Oh, my God. (laughs) But but he'd get injured the moment he takes flight. Because then he's got 400 pounds coming down with him. He'll break the fucking hoop. You know, crack his head on fucking oh, hardwood. Uh, anyways, uh, this has been a podcast, man. Uh, it happened. 55 minutes on Jimmy to the Sixers, 55 minutes on Minnesota after Jimmy, 21 on the Wet Boys, and we got 44 on Zion. Jeez. Uh, a whole mix of emotions on that Zion podcast, too. Me screaming to Ricky for the first 12 minutes, then kind of calming down, then kind of ramping it back up again, and then uh, having a little bit more of a, a tampered uh, Sean, conversation. Sean likes to yell. I, well, again, it's just like when you put it that high, it's – like you, I think you have to temper expectations. It's like, oh, this is gonna be the best restaurant. And you see, it's like, yeah, it was good. Yeah, like, I, like, I don't want to, I don't want to oversell this kid because I want him to still have that ability to wow us. Yeah. You know, 
don't take that ability away to be like, holy shit, this kid is an impressive player. Because if we're expecting, oh, this kid's going to impress us, and he goes out and you know impresses us, we'll be like, oh, well, he actually yeah. didn't live up to the hype. But um, so far, he's knocked down a bunch of Canadian, you know, ex- what are they called? Um, the, the games that don't really count. Exhibitions? Yeah, exhibitions. Yeah. Exhibition games, and, and then he just beat the number two team in the nation, and just yeah. absolutely destroyed him. So I mean, well, like, that was also so far so good. It was also an inexperienced Kentucky team. Like yeah. they have a lot of freshmen on that team. We'll yeah. see what they you know happens when they go up against some more. I like how you team. say they got a lot of freshmen Let's on that see. team, but Zion, Cam, and RJ are also freshmen. Oh, I know. I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, I'm, I'm just saying though. He's I doing never, it against I, I, guys I who have no experience. I wasn't saying that. Yeah. You know, so Abby, his numbers look very good. Exactly. Because I'm saying like ready. if he's going up against a senior heavy team, we will see what happens. I'm That's not, true. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to take away anything from Zion. Yeah. Team like that. Any, any team that plays defense in college basketball, I want to see them versus them. Uh, so me, Syracuse. G- yeah, give me a team with like a three, four-year starter out there at the center. And Ooh, Virginia. Syracuse is a good one. Yeah, I like uh, Virginia. O'Shea Brissett. Uh, that, he's, a, he's an athlete right there. Let's see when DeAndre Hunter goes up against him. Who, who does he guard? Uh, well, probably RJ, but we'll see. Probably RJ. Yep. Um, anyways, uh, Monday, January 28th, uh, Duke's coming to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there. Ah, Three-hour drive. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up the podcast. Uh, if it's too long, sorry. If it's not, sorry. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I really <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too rough. Uh, we want to thank Jake for coming on for the Jimmy 76er deal. Uh, we weren't expecting that at all. Uh, absolute shock there. Uh, if you do want to support us, check out patreon.com slash podcast. If you don't want to do it monetarily, check out iTunes and uh, search The Fast Break and give us a rating and uh, give us a little bit of a comment if you feel like it. Um, also, don't forget to uh, like and subscribe on YouTube and uh, comment down below if you have any thoughts. Uh, for Dave Oster. For Ricky Whitmer, what's that face for? The so prices for those tickets. The upper deck, oh, the like lowest price is 133 yeah, yeah, yeah. Upper deck, like row 12. Zion's <laughs> coming to town. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for the fast break. Uh, there was one other thing. Oh, yeah, the Zion thing. Uh, we're recording this uh, after the Kentucky game, but before the Army game and Eastern Washington game. So the kid could, you know, put up 90 points. I don't know. Or uh, he could break his leg. Please don't. Knock on wood. If it happens, blame Dave. Anyways, that's going to be do it for the Fast Break Podcast. Uh, hopefully not jinxing people left and right. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.